finally get a patch of rainy weather for the last week or so, yeah. and now it's like ridiculously humid. How is that fair? We're I such, ask you. We're such old people when it comes to weather. I mean, in terms of like that's all we talk about. <laughs> as soon as the weather changes, we're like, oh, it's hot, it's sunny, it's whatever, whatever, and we're just complainers. But when it's like ninety-five percent humidity, you have to yeah. take notice. That's what I feel like people always forget or like never mention whenever they talk about how England has shitty rainy weather. For a start, it really doesn't rain as much as people say that it does. When you're someone who loves the rain, you then notice more when it does not rain. And also, it's like high humidity. Even in the winter, it's high humidity. Um, Relatively so. No, you know what I mean. Like, the humidity doesn't go completely down. And the past few weeks or whatever have been, or the past few days, have been like 90-something percent humidity. And it's not even... Is it summer? I don't... It's not even summer yet. So... But it has been balanced out by the fact that it's been raining all day and it's only, Mm. like, 15 degrees. But to me, it still feels like... If I didn't know it was raining... The humidity would would make you think it was hot. Yeah, I would be like, it's not raining. It's, like, sunny or whatever. Yeah. It's very noticeable. It's one of those weird things where I'll just Mm. be sitting on the couch and I'll be like, why does it feel so clammy and stuffy mm. in here and then i check my phone and it's 95 percent humidity that's the worst kind of heat that's sticky like i just can't get yeah. that's how it makes me feel that's not a word or <laughs> even you, know. you acted it out and the listeners missed that visual yeah well you're a very talented mime artist <laughs> when it comes down to it but yeah, so at least I guess we had like kind of a break today with the rain and the weather dropped a little bit. Yeah, the, the temperature dropped a little bit. Quite low today, which mm-hmm. made it a good day to do the podcast. I don't know what the hell we're going to do when it starts getting like uh, 25 degrees, 30 the, degrees, sunny. Do you even have the fan on and it will still be able to have good sound quality? Yeah, no? most likely, even if we do it in the late evening or the night, which is probably when we are going to do it. So it's cooler. We're probably still going to have to have our floor fan on. And it's a big fan because we need it to be big and to shift a lot of air around the room to cool us down. So most likely I'll just put it as far away from the microphones as possible. And then... Everyone has tuned out because (laughs) this is so boring. (laughs) The drop-off rate is 100%. Yeah. How dare you insult our fans' attention span? Uh, and their loyalty. We could talk fans. about. Oh yeah, you're right. My fans. They come. They come <laughs> here for me. You're just kind of a side benefit. That's funny. I feel like that's the first time you said fans and not listeners. I was being facetious. Yeah, sure. You're making like a little Roman. I'm making like a little crown of laurel crown with your braids. Yeah. But yeah, that's our fans cool, are so man. loyal. We could talk about podcast logistics for 30 minutes and they would stick through it do you think we could again if they hadn't dropped off before they've fucking dropped off now this faux arrogance will definitely make them drop like flies yeah i'm i feel like i'm in excited mode like every day you know that really nice feeling you have when you're looking forward to something yeah, so I feel like the majority of the time, unless you are someone who kind of like goes to a lot of things or like plans a lot of events or trips or outings or whatever, 
outings. You know, Let's go to the woods. You don't always have like fun things to look forward to. And um it is nice now and then to have like these planned things that you can kind of these big significant spend. events. Yeah. Cuz even though like you want the thing to get you like oh, I'm counting down the days in a way part of the fun is actually counting down the days and being like I know something fun is going to happen and that is kind of sustaining me during this time. Yeah, that adds to the excitement because you're just constantly building the anticipation and counting down the days. Should we say what you're excited for? So my best friend lives in California and she's coming to visit me for the second time um, in June, the middle of June. So we're now at like... I've got a countdown on my phone. I'm going to you have see a how cute little days. countdown timer. Yeah, I do. But doesn't she have one too? <clears throat> yeah, she does. It's a 28 days. Cute little best pals countdown timer. And there's like a picture and everything. And it's like 28 days, one hour, 59 minutes and 57 seconds until she lands at the airport. <clears throat> so the, I'm very, very, very excited about that. The eagle has landed, <clears throat> yeah. we'll say as a code word. It's so strange, like, I don't know, having a best friend who lives, like, really far away is strange in that you don't have that kind of sense of, like, oh, let's hang out, like, or go to the movies or whatever. But at the same time, we can just, like, FaceTime and we'll be doing chores. Yeah, like, you're just talking. Yeah, she's, like, doing the washing up or something and she but we're talking at the same time and so it is just like hanging out obviously it would be better if she lived you know lived down the street yeah. um but technology kind of makes it yeah almost the same way easier yeah so i'm super excited about her coming to visit it's gonna be cool for two weeks and she's most likely going to be the second podcast guest yeah she's gonna appear on an episode when mm. she's here that's gonna be so cool yeah I've learned a lot of things from the Mafia episode. A lot yeah. of missteps about what have you learned? How best to record. Well, I'm going to try and get a third microphone for when Steph comes, so we can actually have the full free mic set up. Oh, okay. I don't know how that's going to work, but I'm going to do my best to. That's going to be cool. Finagle it. Yeah, because we shared a mic last time. Yeah, didn't that we? was. Uncomfortable to say the very least. <laughs> In the by the end, you were like lying on top of me, pretty much. Yeah. And I was like, I can't move my legs. I can't feel my legs. We were fused into yeah. a love cocoon. Ah, uh-huh, little love cocoon. That could be the name of our first album. <laughs> Podcast love cocoon, all one word, lowercase. <laughs> I like it. So yeah, it'll Good be cool. Man. It'll be interesting to get her perspective on things. Yeah, she has some strong opinions on things. Yeah. And even though we're best friends, we don't agree on, like, um. She says tomato, you say tomato. No, I say tomato, she says tomato. You threw knives at each other across the Atlantic. (laughs) Yeah, so that's fun to look forward to. I like having that to look forward to. It's coming soon. To a cinema near you. It's going to take the edge off the summer a little bit, knowing that we have this yeah. fun two-week period slash event happening. And then when she leaves, we will go yeah. back to sleep it in the day. It will be the start of July, and it will be 
just sweltering. Oh, God. We'll be broiling in our own sweat. We need to do, we need to, like, the opposite of, like, hibernate. Well, not the opposite. What's the opposite of hibernate? I mean, the like... opposite of hibernate is just be <laughs> out in the world. <laughs> I meant um, hibernate in the summer, like, the summer. Go into Summer's an version of hibernation. Um, just pack ice blocks around igloo. us. Yeah, we need to just be frozen for the fucking three months. It's more than three months because we're going back to the weather again. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> Isn't it kind of like a stereotype that British people like to make chit-chat, small talk about oh, the, way. the but weather? It doesn't every... I feel like that's going to be maybe not in like... That's like a universal foible. Well, I think it is for like Westerners, right? Like the English-speaking people. It's like because what else do you talk about with strangers yeah. if you are just making? You're not making chit chat to make a new friend. You're making chit chat to pass the time while you wait for something. Yeah. So you're in like a queue or something. The other thing I feel like people talk about is the annoyance that they're feeling about. I hate being in the queue. Oh yeah, and like there's a person in front of you or behind you or something, and they vocalise their annoyance. They're like, "Fuck's sake!" And they or, don't say it to anyone in particular. They just, just offer it to the ether. Yeah, yeah. But you know, they're kind of like waiting for you to like respond, or they want you to kind yeah. of join in and be like, "I know, fucking hell!" Like they're taking the piss or whatever. It's like, sorry, sir, I can't offer you solidarity in this moment. Yeah. I for try, your petty grievance. Yeah, I try not to say anything unless, like, there's eye contact and then I feel like I have to kind of agree. And I always kind of just be like, yeah, like, I don't really do much of that. The thing about the weather being this chit-chat thing is annoying to me because everyone always says the same thing. Oh, it's terrible out there today, isn't it? It's raining raining. cats and And I'm like, no, it's fucking fabulous. And then the other thing is, oh, what a beautiful day. You should be outside and playing in the grass or whatever. And I'm like... Playing in the grass? (laughs) Do they think you're like a seven-year-old girl? Here you go, little girl. Here's a lollipop and some (laughs) building blocks. And I'm like, no, this is my idea of hell and I want the sun to die. That's what I want to say. And occasionally I'll be like, actually, I don't really like the um, heat. But usually I just agree because it's just the easiest And that thing to singles do. you out as a heathen. Yeah. As a wrong think deviant. Basically, the key thing to take away from this is that I don't want to talk to people. <laughs> yeah. About weather or anything else. <laughs> no, that's not true. I don't agree with you about the three month thing, though, because I think it is basically just three months of actual, like, hot sunniness june july and august like may we're in may right now and it hasn't been too bad apart from the humidity the temperature has been fairly low we've had a lot of kind of showers throughout the day and that seems to be forecast until the end of this month and then september when you get on the other side of the three months of hell usually is still fairly hot but it's usually not like boiling you can't feel your skin anymore because it's a flame You've spontaneously combusted. I disagree because actually two fi- two reasons why I disagree. One, we went out the other day and it was actually kind of like spitting a little bit of rain and it wasn't even sunny and it was windy and I was hot. And yeah, I had to use my fan and everything while I was out. So yes, it is hot. <laughs> and second of all, 
as of last a as of April, which was last month, I've had to have the fan on while cooking because that's how hot it is. Whereas usually, like in the winter, the autumn winter, I don't need the fan on because it's already so cold. So I disagree. In those situations, if I'm already like so hot, that to me is a sign that the weather has changed. So really, from April, and I feel like spring lasted really long this year. I don't know if it's just because of how the memory is and like maybe spring lasts that long every time but I feel like usually by like April it's kind of sunny all the time and not really that I know there's April showers and that's where it comes from but like I feel like it did last a little bit too long this time what do you mean too long so April till like it's not really cold until like end of October that's what April, May, June, right, July, but you are July. saying cold. That's seven months of shit. No, I'm saying hot for me, where it's like unbearably, uncomfortably, like rage inducingly hot is like when it gets above kind of like 21, 22, and it's like sunny outside. That's actual hell for me. That's though. like hot. Like that's like summer heat in the middle of the day. And if you ask me, that's like three months. You're saying all this, but you're gonna call me out. Is this the call out? Like a few weeks ago, or whatever, middle of April or sometime in April, when the days started to become really long, and you were like, "This is unbearable. I need to be asleep in the night. I mean, I need to be asleep during the day instead of the night." That to me is like a signifier that you're unhappy with the way things are. And that's like a weather thing. So you're talking about the same thing. Okay. I think we just have different distinctions for what is like summer heat. Like I like, I dislike a lot of heat that is not quote unquote summer heat. And so that's why I said that. But that's also just a symptom of me being hyperbolic. No, I know what I'm saying is not summer heat. But like, I'm, I'm just saying any kind of Oh my God, we've talked about this for yeah too long. Infinitely too long. We're very sorry. We're not going to cut it out. No, we're, very we're not that sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag sorry, not sorry. Oh, gosh. Hashtag teach me you're how like, to edit. You're like someone's mom. Is that like when a meme becomes so old that only moms and yeah. uncool dads say it, that's when you know Some it's... Some stick around forever, I feel. By date. But like, like saying cool, cool will never not be cool. Although... For the longest time when I was a teenager, I never said it. And I was like, I'm You were a rebel. I was like, I'm never going to say that. I'm too cool for cool. It was one of those words where you were like, ugh. Only grandmas say that. Don't you know that the new word is chillax or dope? That's so dope. It's like never using LOL, lol. I never, ever, ever use that. The only time I've ever used it is when like, ironically yeah i want like we're kind of like taking the piss a bit and i'm like lol or lols like and it's even very rare that we do that so i've i just put hat or haha which is probably annoying to some people but fuck them fuck them yeah i don't know i just think lol is so stupid it is a bit kind of trite and pointless at this point yeah i don't know do you not ever have any of those things where you were like I'll never say that word. Not really. I mean, you'd have to give me some examples and I would think. But I definitely didn't have any that was like a big deal for me where I don't say this word because I'm too, you know. Do you remember when like saying random was like a thing? Like, Vaguely. while I was I in, remember while, it being a thing, while like I was a trend. in college, it was a thing for people to just be like, random. Like, I don't know, just like that. 
And for some reason, it really fucking pissed me off. Another one was is, to be fair. I feel like these are these were very specific to your... Yeah, possibly. ...location and time and social group. Yeah, probably. I don't think there was like a nationwide epidemic of people saying, to be fair, but suddenly. They, but they add it on to things where it's like, you don't need to say that. That's why it was a thing. And um, when they would say random, and it's like, actually, no, it's not random. It's actually very apropos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny to me for another reason. Yeah, that's yeah. a weird, not really in-joke, in-joke. Yeah. You know what? Enough of this nonsense. Can yeah. I get to talk about my traumatic spider experience or not? Yes. Or are you going to shut me down? Oh, Are yes. you going to hashtag victim blame? Tell them about are this Are you going to silence my narrative? Yeah. So... Where do we even start with this story, Samantha? Let me give my perspective first. <laughs> okay, so I'm like on the couch watching something or listening to something and I've got headphones and I don't hear anything going on. And all of a sudden I look up and you're standing in front of me with your hands. It's like a meme or like a cartoon or something. You've got both your hands like on either side of your head. And I'm like... Like in what? shock. Yeah, but I, I didn't register it as shock. I thought you'd hit your head because you were looking at me with such a severe, like, pained, kind of, like, excruciating look that I was like, I pulled the headphones out and I was like, what's wrong? And I was about to get up and be like, you've hurt your head. And you were like, go on. No, now, now you- that's not what's happened. <laughs> so from my perspective, I forget exactly what the context was, but I went into the bathroom to wash my hands, I'm pretty sure. What a weird thing to say. I forget what the context was. No, because I think I was in the middle of doing something and I just nipped in the bathroom Uh, to wash my hands. And so I didn't turn the light on because it's behind the door and you have to lean around to get it. I was just going to quickly go straight to the sink, wash them, then come out. And as I was halfway in, you know, sometimes when you see something like blurrily and you're not sure what it is it's just like a black dot in like the periphery of your vision yeah usually it's like a fly or something flying near your head and so i did what i usually do when it seems like a fly is right by my face i ducked backwards like kind of like ah what's going on (laughs) and then as i as i kind of regained the vertical and i was upright (laughs) again i looked at what it was and i could tell that it was something hanging in midair and that's when fucking nightmare there was an adrenaline dump and I was like, this is not okay. I'm very unnerved. I don't know what's going on. I need to get the hell out of Dodge. And so I just darted out of there, came into the living room and I was like, I think I just walked, almost walked into a spider hanging in midair. And I should just say that I both hate and am fearful of spiders although a very specific type of spider. Because See, that's where we differ. Little tiny my mom would sometimes call them money spiders. Yeah. Those ultra, ultra small spiders that are almost like ants. Those don't bother me at all. I can get those no problem. And then like really big spiders like tarantulas. Like I howled a tarantula once. You did? Yeah. At school. Which is... And it didn't bother you at all. No. You weren't afraid. It did, because it's this almost like so a different... Weird. It's almost like a different type of animal when it's that big. Because it has like thick limbs and it's Ugh. often kind of slow moving. I feel like but it's like the in-between, the like medium-sized, very spindly, usually with fat little You say medium-sized, but if it's like a big spider but not a tarantula, that's going to freak you out, right? It's not a tarantula, yeah. but it is like a like garden spider. Yeah. are fucking massive. It's kind of like that continuum in the middle between like huge and microscopic. Yeah. Those spiders 
I am like phobic of like yeah. they really freak me out and that's just like a irrational fear that's instilled into my bones at this point yeah. in fact I think my mom probably gave it to me because she's also terrified of spiders <laughs> and so I got you and as you described I was very very freaked out very like I had that feeling of like where your skin crawls and you feel like something's yeah. on you and I needed to shake my clothes out in case something was on me and so I got you and we went on an expedition back into <laughs> we slowly approached the bathroom turned on the light and then hanging by a single thread from the ceiling down like hanging over a, the toilet yeah. as well which is like one of the worst it was like suspended in midair on this single strand of silk right by where my face was like at face level so if i kept walking i would have walked face first into this spider and it was wasn't small it was like kind of medium sized for like a house spider it was one of those spiders where it's like there are different types of spiders the ones that all spiders creep me out are all spiders i'm scared of tarantulas even the really tiny ones but the ones that I hate the most are the ones that you can, like, see. Like, some have really thick legs yeah. and they're still just regular spiders. Or some have, like, fat bodies. Some are really black, some brown. And this was one of those ones where it was like, oh, I can see yeah. all it's like. Oh, and it started moving, but because it was on your web. Not all, they oh, it's freaking me out. Me out. Not yeah. all of it was moving, but just a couple of its legs were moving. And I was like, quick, it's moving. <laughs> it was horrible. And so, yeah, we went in and saw, and I realized that I was like literally like two inches away from walking into it when yeah. I had noticed it. And so, obviously, we got it. We soaked it up with the Hoover, the Hoover which is our preferred spider <laughs> execution method. Isn't it? that i never in all my 26 years before knowing you once thought about oh you could get the spider by hoovering it up that's weird like the amount of times there was a spider and i had no one else to get it for me so the few times that i really had to get it otherwise it was going to be on my face when i went to sleep i had to get it in other ways like i had to throw something at it spray it with something oh god hit it with something. My spray it with hairspray chemical weaponry like, yeah my mom used to be like get a broom and get it to walk onto the broom oh and then god. like and i'm like no because then he could run down the broom this is at so me. complex yeah. and multi-step and so yeah knowing that i was like literally half a step away from walking face first into this hanging spider which is like my nightmare yeah. like my nightmare realized in real life is that just yeah fucked up the rest of my day <laughs> made me want to go and like hide in a dark corner hug my knees and weep it's one of those where it's just it, it will be oh after God. the fact and then all of a sudden you'll look at me and be like kitty can you believe i almost walked face first into a spider? this is not okay and i'm like i know like i'm talking and you're to like god visibly shaking just because Man, spiders really freak me out. Yeah. And so it was a traumatic experience, let me tell you. I don't know if I'm fully recovered. Yeah. I need to go into therapy. We are equally scared of spiders. However, something sometimes happens to me when we see a spider and you're scared. That kind of like weird instinct of like needing to like protect you or help you with the spider kicks in and occasionally 
Like, if you're like, no, I can't get it with the Hoover, I'll have to get it. And I'm more okay with getting it because I've kicked into that Because you're mode. doing it for me. Yeah. Whereas if, like, if you weren't scared of spiders, my fear would probably come, like, it is at, like, 100, but, I mean, it would be just that little bit but higher. But you know you I don't feel. have to step up and, like, put yeah. that aside. It is nice that you are equally as scared as me, though, because... I feel like a lot of times if a person, like, people really can make light of it. Like, it's just a spider. Like, well, you're being silly. Like, and they just get it, like, no no problem. And they get it gone. And I'm like, N- but it, like, incapacitates me. I can't move. I can't. I know there's a spider in the house and we haven't got it. I can't sleep. I'm That's like, what a phobia yeah. is. It's irrational and it seizes and, your whole body. Yeah, so I'm glad in a way that we are equally scared level, so that yeah. we can be scared together <laughs> yeah like I and we've definitely had instances like one i can remember is there was remember when there was a really big spot the house the first house that we lived in together had that those weird like brown carpets and so like it was also a really old house that surely had a lot of holes yeah, and for it spiders had a garden, to come into so of course you would get but spiders. um yeah, we had quite dim lights in the living room and we had brown carpets. Oh, yeah. And so it was harder to see. And I just remember once you were like, spider. And so we quickly like... Picked everything we up. We were sitting down and we quickly just kind of did it so we were like feet up on the sofa. We standing were standing on, on the sofa. Like in a cartoon, a woman scared of a mouse standing on a stool, hitting it with a broom. <laughs> yeah. So we were there standing on the um, thing or whatever. And... I think we tried to get it. I don't remember how we tried to get it. And then there was a thing where we thought it was dead and it was really still, do you remember? And and so one of us had to be like... And then like Lazarus, it? it resurrected before our I eyes. swear half an hour passed and then it started moving. And Sly little spider, playing dead. And then, then we had this whole thing of like, I think it was on one of the throws and so I put the throw in a bin bag. You just threw the whole blanket yeah, away. <laughs> in the bin bag. And the bin bag Burned was there, the there, and we had that horrible fear. Do you remember that it had like babies in the? This I, we need to stop talking about oh, this. Yeah, it's this me is out. making my skin crawl. I feel like it's on me. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that that was That's just horrendous. not fine. I think it was horrible, but nice that I wasn't like we weren't on our own. I'd like to file a petition of protest with Mother Nature. You really yeah. fucked up making this whole type of animal if spiders went away would that fuck up this the chain the the chain (laughs) no because there are some things that are horrible but it's like we like for me bees bees and things are horrible because i have been stung lots of times i say lots it's really been like four times but that's enough that's enough to make you hate bees and i definitely do that whole shit where people are like they don't sting you unless they're provoked is bullshit when have i ever provoked a bee you know, or a wasp. So bees and wasps to me are horrible, but we need One the time bees. we did get in a bee's face and just yeah. talked mad shit to it. Yeah. Insulting its clan and its bee I didn't like the way it family. So you backhanded it. <laughs> you said, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And then it stung you, and obviously. Then it stung me, yeah. Honestly, this bee was acting in reasonable self-defense. Which are the ones that die when they sting you? That's wasps, I think. Yeah, I've been stung by bees and wasps. So, yeah, little fuckers. But Do you we remember my story about finding the wasp's nest when <clears throat> I was super, super young? This is like a, um, what is it called? My girl type thing, except you didn't die, obviously. What um, what was the story? 
I feel like you have probably, but yeah. I was like very young. I think I was like six or seven. Mm. And this is the first family home we had, which I barely remember because we moved out of it when I was like 12 or whatever. And I remember the garden in the back of it was like super overgrown. Like the grass was really long. There was trees and bushes that were just like kind of intermeshed together. They were so like out of control and overgrown. And so it was like a little thicket of foliage that you could wade into if you dared. And I remember I was just, you know, a completely fearless little kid, just stepping through it. How dare you be it. fearless? Yeah. And I, well, I didn't know what I was, I didn't expect that something this fucked up could happen, but I turned over like a rock or a log or something, and there was just like a full wasp's nest underneath mm. it. And I don't remember exactly what happened in terms of like, did they all swarm at me or did I just run away and some of them got me on the way out? But I got stung a lot of times. And I vaguely recall that my mom went out and got like something to treat wasp stings or something like that. It was that bad. Like she had to go out and get something. And see, the funny thing is that's exactly the type of traumatic childhood story that you would think would give you a lifelong, super intense, harrowing phobia of whatever it was Mm. that got you. But I actually have no real problem with bees or wasps. Like, if there's one around me, I'll kind of duck away and be like, you know, get it away. Like, shoo it. But I don't freak out at the sight of them. But you'd That's expect strange, that to yeah. have been the lasting repercussion. That's good, though, that it didn't do the thing that you were expecting it to do. It didn't traumatise you for life. Um, That's pretty horrible. <laughs> oh, it makes me so sad to think of little Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. Being swarmed by a angry... Wasp collective. God, that's horrible. That's also one of my worst nightmares. I'm scared of. Yes, I am like definitely scared of spiders, and I'm not the same type of scared of like flies or like whatever. It'd be pretty hard to be afraid of flies. But I do hate them all. Like I just want them all <laughs> to go away. Like you've got a genocidal agenda kind, towards yeah, insects. Any kind of insect type thing is just fucking. And I have, yeah, I don't want to go into it. But yeah. But you don't mind things like ladybugs, right? Well, no. Ladybugs are kind of cute. I used to like ladybirds until... I always say ladybug. I don't know why yeah, I do that. Yeah, I say, sometimes say ladybug. Ladybird. Um, Ladybugs kind of like... <laughs> no, you're, no, you're switching. Know. Why are they called ladybugs? They're not. They're, they're called not, ladybirds. But why do people call them ladybugs? I don't know. That's Just because just they're bugs? Yeah. It's, it makes more it's sense than ladybird. It's kind of cute, I guess. But ladybird is nice. Ladybird sounds like a very feminine little bird. <laughs> like a little a little sparrow is. that's like in hot pink. Uh, yeah. And it's got hot like the, the gender symbol for female <laughs> emblazoned on its chest. That's a ladybird right there. <laughs> Hashtag gender normative. Yeah. Hashtag how dare you. I used to like ladybirds until two things. One, I saw the underside of one and it creeped me out. And second of all, and mostly important, when we moved here to this apartment, in the corners downstairs, the black ladybirds had like congregated. (laughs) And at the same time, in the news, there was like this crazy story of like ladybirds coming from a different country and bringing like diseases and so i don't know it just really then every time i saw one it freaked me out and then that also then coincided with us getting loads of ladybirds flying in our yeah, window they did come in and a lot. so it freaked it just freaked me out 
it just really freaked me out. I think I told the story on one of an earlier podcast of where the ladybird was crawling on my leggings when I was peeing. Right. Do you remember? I think I told that story earlier on, and that also freaked me out. So I don't mind ladybirds. They're one of those insects where if I find one in the apartment, I will make at least a decent half-hearted effort to try and get yeah, them out without killing them. You try not to kill them. Like, I'll try and get them to crawl on a piece of paper and then just put them out the window or do the cup method or whatever. But at the same time, if they prove uncooperative, <laughs> I will condemn them to yeah. execution Hooverville. by Hoover. Hooverville. <laughs> I feel like the only insect I probably wouldn't be scared of or not dislike is the butterfly purely because they're like pretty and they can't hurt you (laughs) but and also they're bigger they're just really like what if they've got like a little they're just like mini birds butterfly knife and they try to (laughs) mug you you think he's so clever don't you yeah pretty much um however i feel like if one did fly around my head i would still probably freak out well, yeah, it's something flying at your face. Yeah, like moths. I fucking hate moths. They and what's the difference between you? a moth and a butterfly? Basically yeah, just the coloration. Yeah. Well, no, I don't think butterflies do fly at you like moths do. Moths have this really horrible way of just kind of flying at your head. And I don't think butterflies do that, but I don't really know for sure. Haven't you been to like a butterfly farm? Yeah, I told you about that and you say you want to go. I do want to go, but I do think it might freak me out. It's pretty cool. It's just like a big kind of multi-room building that you slowly walk through and observe all the stuff they put in the different rooms where there's just like hundreds or... So it's not outdoors? No. Or maybe thousands of butterflies just either on the walls or on the little branches of the trees or just kind of flying around high up in the room and they can land on you and stuff right they usually don't though because you're moving and they Mm. if you stand still for long enough maybe one would come and land on you but it's pretty cool because there's like the little signs that tell you this species of butterfly looks like this and you know it gives you a few little factoids it's a cool little you know way to spend an hour or two have you ever been to like a um a safari park or zoo or anything where they have like a bat enclosure I can't... The only times I ever went to zoos or safari parks was when I was a young kid, and so I don't really remember. They all kind of blend together into one vague, nebulous memory cluster. I remember going into, like, the bat enclosure. Oh, it's a nice story, actually, because my nan was there. And I remember we were there, like, with a lot of our family, and they all basically went ahead and left us. And me and my nan are just there, like, linking arms, like, scared, like, putting our heads down slightly and, like, hunched over and, like, this is really scary. Let's just walk through it really quickly. And as we did, bats were, like, flying, like, really close to our heads, but, like, because they have such precision that they didn't touch us or anything. But because they were so fast and so close, it felt almost like they were skimming the tops of our heads. It was really weird. Like, I wasn't scared, but it was kind of freaky because it's also dark in there. Um, not pitch black, but dark. Is this the traumatic origin story of how you became Batwoman? Pretty much. No, wouldn't I like bats if I was Batwoman? No, because Batman's origin thought... story is he fell down a oh, yeah. cave or a well or something, and then bats, like thousands of bats, just rushed at him. And then I don't really know because he was scared of bats. Other people would be scared of him yeah, as Batman. I think it was the idea was him also, kind of using the fear. 
As nice as you were maybe trying to be with your Batwoman, I don't want to be Batwoman, I want to be Batgirl. You don't want to... Oh, I was going to... I thought you were going to object to the gendered aspect of it. No, You're like, why can't I be Batman? I don't really like it when people say I'm a woman. I know that sounds weird, but, like, I very much do like the term girl, unless it's used in some kind of, like... Insulting. Yeah. Yeah. If someone is trying to be, like... You're just a girl. Yeah. What do you know? Yeah. Then, obviously... I'm not going to like it. It's a lot you. more kind of but informal and playful. I don't think of myself as... I am a woman, obviously, but, like, I feel like when you do think of, like, man, man woman, girl, boy, like, my mom's a woman, like, you know, like... Because she's an adult and we're... Yeah, and I know I'm an adult, Stunted adolescent. But also I do have a very playful, childlike demeanour. Yeah. And so... Them being called You're more like a youthful, lady. and so, yeah. Yeah, it's weird. And also because pro- there's probably a small part of it where it's like, no, I don't want to be old. <laughs> yeah. You're going to fight it. You're yeah. going to be an 80-year-old girl. Batgirl. Pretty much. Elderly Batgirl. And anyone who wants to fucking fight me on it. You'll throw bats at them. See to the bats, yeah. That's what, that's what his like power should have been. Him. He can just, like, summon bats from the air and he mm. throws them at you. Summon bats from the air? Yeah. Like, can't Aquaman summon fish? Isn't that like one of his What? Powers? Really? That's not going to so. be in the film though, surely. Because that would look ridiculous. That'd be pretty neat though. He cause... just like holds his hand <laughs> out and a fi- like Dory appears. <laughs> That's going to be a cross promotion that I don't think is going to be possible. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, he could summon like a swordfish... And then he could throw ah, it at you like a projectile. Sad swordfish. Yeah, well, that's the purpose of his life. <laughs> to be a projectile in this so movie. people really like don't give fish credit for being like... <laughs> what a weird sentence. <laughs> well, you know... Let's just take a moment to like appreciate really how upset amazing upset about like Harambe the gorilla or whatever it was called and Leo the lion or whatever he was called. I feel like I'm saying these names wrong. Um, but no one's going to be in uproar i mean maybe they will be about like the whales and stuff at SeaWorld, but fish little fish it's like you know well there's also a sect of people who are like vegetarians but they also eat fish so it's like fish and then there are vegetarians that don't eat anything with a face or guess vegans it's like that's a vegan yeah yeah, they they draw the line at it having a face so things like clams are fine because oh that's not vegan then because vegan people don't even eat like cheese and then there's that thing called bivalveism. Well, or something that's along the, I those think lines. those ones are like the official names for vegetarian yeah. and vegan. Yeah. I think the fish eating one is a piscatarian, isn't it? Or something like that. I'm probably just like butchering An epistemological these. epistatarian. Epistatarian? Epistatarian. The leaning tower of peace of peas, epistatarianism. Peas. No, we've lost our fucking plot. We've gone mad early on this podcast. Yeah, early on. We took an extra dose of our, madness. Mis- of our mystery substance. <laughs> Do we just have it bottled? Yeah. I put it in your food. Anyway. I know. Along with the crushed up fiberglass. <laughs> You're slowly trying to kill me so you can collect my large, large wealth. You have no wealth. I have much wealth. I have spiritual <laughs> wealth. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, do you want to just move on to the topic? Because we've clearly gone nuts. <laughs> we've kind of talked about animals in different forms for yeah. the last half an hour. Because, oh, yeah, I suppose. Not good animals. Though. You know what I want to talk about, in fact, before we move on <laughs> to the first topic? I feel bad for saying that now. Yeah. 
You're setting up a hierarchy. Yeah, what do you want to... I want to give an update on our little Rudy cat and uh... his mischief and his unruliness. What is he doing? He hasn't done anything wrong. He's now developed a new habit, which I find very irritating, where when you either leave the apartment or you come in from outside, he oh, waits yeah. like right by the crack of the door. <coughs> and as soon as you... Literally, as soon as you open the door, like three inches wide like just enough Not for him to squeeze inches, through no. he will just within a split second will just dart out into the hallway <laughs> and oftentimes he runs all the way down to the staircase and he's doing it literally every single time we open the door now and i don't know how to stop him doing it but <clears throat> i think i might roll up a newspaper and bop him on the nose i have to say this he only does this to you he doesn't do it to me. And on the occasion that he is by the door when I come in or when I open the door for you, he just doesn't try to dart out. I don't know if it's because he knows you're not, like, you're opening the door a different way. I don't know. No. Like, he just obviously knows with you he can get that time to dart I need it. to regain the fatherly respect, yeah, I fear. pretty much. Because he doesn't do it with me. Like, last night, I purposely opened it just a crack not even enough for him to get out just to see if he was there and he put his claw around the door (laughs) and dug his claws into the wood of the other side of the door and i was just like this is getting out of hand we're so lucky we live in an apartment building that was if If that was the front door he could run straight onto the road or whatever but that's the thing he never goes very far yeah like he runs out meowing his little head off in triumph like i guess i finally did it i finally did it better make the most of it he sniffs like the doormat of our next door neighbor then he runs down the hallway a little bit and kind of sticks his head up and meows even louder then he runs to the corner of the end of the hallway stands up against the corner and sniffs up the wall and then he'll go to the where the stairs are and so far one time he ran down like two steps and someone was coming up the staircase. And he didn't know what to and do. And so he got confused and frightened <laughs> and just let me pick him up and carry him back. But then another time he looked at the stairs and I could clearly see that he chose not to go down them. Didn't he run up the stairs one time? Yeah, he ran up like two... we've got stairs going down yeah. and we've got stairs going up. He ran up like three or four steps one time, but then he just stops and kind of... He's almost like bewildered by the fact that this is the farthest yeah. he's ever gone he's uh, it's uncertain funny as well because if we if he runs out um and you pick him up to bring him again he's so docile and he's not like that yeah. ever like he just lets you because he knows yeah. the jig is up if i want to pick him up or what like i'm walking around the house and i see him and i just want to pick him up and put him in my arms for a minute or two i can do that <clears throat> but you can't ever like it's very you fleeting. You can't pick though. him up and put him on your lap like you can a lot of cats or dogs. You can't make him come to you. Like, he comes to you and he sits on you when he wants to. And so it is kind of odd that when he does kind of run away, he lets you bring him back. Yeah. He doesn't squirm at all. He's very much just like, it's like Simba. Like, when he's just like, <laughs> my, my little paws. He's just like hanging down. Because yeah. I pick him up underneath the armpits and yeah. I just kind of hold him up in the air. And yeah, you're right. He just just kind of like Flops, hang yeah. loose, floppy. It's really cute, to be honest. And then sometimes he'll meow like He's a like, sad, meow, mournful meow of like, 
I could have got so much further. I've got to be he bolder next time. He doesn't though. He just like That's what you darts. think. Yeah. But he sleeps in the wardrobe and one day we're going to open it up on on the back of the panel. There's going to be like a drawn plan <laughs> with photos, reconnaissance photos. In the corner there's like tools that yeah. he's collected that he can take on his little way. He gradually learns how to pick the lock of the door. Aww. There's a whole of a world, you know, yeah. just for kitty cats. Apparently. Yeah. Okay, do you want to hit me hit me with the first topic? I will indeed. This first topic of conversation is based on a BBC news news story entitled Tories plan to let young erase online past. And essentially the conservatives here in the UK are saying that they want to instigate a system where social media companies especially the big ones will be fined if they don't allow users to delete their content that they put on there when they were under 18 so the idea is that they're going to force these companies to ensure that you don't have to delete your account to delete the potentially embarrassing or incriminating or otherwise socially an advantageous stuff that you posted when you're under 18 you can always have the option of going back and just completely nuking everything your entire online presence from before you reach the age of majority this is confusing to me for two reasons one no one is saying that you're not allowed to delete your content and two um you can, like, no, maybe they're the same point. You can delete your stuff now. Like, no one is saying you can't go back and delete things from five years ago. You just have to go and do it, spend the time doing it. Like, I don't I don't really understand what the... Is that look- true for every single social media site, though? Yes, you just scroll through your timeline and delete what you don't want there. So, and then I thought, well, maybe this rule or law or whatever... Is saying that not only are they going to let them delete it from the thing, that actually really it's gone from the internet forever, but that would that would mean that search engines would actually yeah. be have to be in on it because in on it there are things like I don't know how they work, but there are things like Wayback Machine or whatever yeah. it's called, and there are archived everything's pages of things. archived to yeah. some degree. Um, so. Is that what they're really saying? In which case, it would actually be the search engines that they need to be finding, not the... No, I think the idea is just that whether or not it's currently the case, they want to make it so that the law is kind of ensuring that it is and always will be the case. Yeah. It's basically just kind of a feel-good show policy. It's kind of a show policy thing, because, yeah, you to can To make it seem like delete. they understand the needs of the millennial teen, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, there's no social media where you can't delete your posts yeah. unless I'm like, no, there's none. Maybe they want it <clears> so there's just a button. So instead of cause delete 2016, <laughs> it, no, but like delete everything before when I turned 18. Yeah. Because right now, it especially if you had a very active and you posted very heavily on your social media presence yeah. you could be talking about on each individual site twitter facebook etc you could be talking about deleting thousands of posts per year yeah and if you've got to scroll through your timeline and do it individually instead of being able to do it as this one-off bulk action yeah that could take 
more than hours. It could take days. Not even you doing it. Maybe they mean it's a sense of like you use their contact page and you're like delete all my stuff from before. Like you have to make a formal request. Yeah, like because yeah, this is almost why I don't have much of a reaction to it because it's a non thing. You can already do that. Um, I guess the other thing really is like them kind of trying to like make it a law by like fining yeah the companies i mean but like yeah, you said i don't like the idea of that it's at all. yeah i definitely don't like the idea of the government putting pressure on internet companies internet sites yeah. in any way because there's already like you know that whole thing of them being able to collect data or whatever or making the isps ban certain yeah. sites like porn sites and download sites and things um they're already that's trying to already too much like the internet's supposed to be a place where there kind of aren't any rules i mean i know there are obviously rules but it's supposed to be very loose. it's not supposed to be controlled yeah. in a very heavy hand and it's way. also supposed to be this place where you can kind of say and do what you want without there being like a law yeah like that's what it is is what I was going to say was, but like you mentioned, this ultimately is pointless because things are still going to have been indexed and perhaps archived by search engines like Google. Mm. Probably it will end up on some kind of archive or mirror site or whatever it is. Even if Twitter deletes all your posts, it doesn't mean that it's gone from the internet altogether. It's just kind of a palliative solution that seems like it's doing what it says. And in a way, kind of is because most people won't go to those secondary sources. But ultimately, you have to kind of accept that when you put something on the internet, when you make that choice, when you commit to that, you have to operate under the assumption that you've basically chiseled it into stone. It's going to be there forever. Yeah, it's almost like they're saying, like, it's okay, like, we we can wipe away your mistakes kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas, like, no, they... That's not the ethos of the internet. That's not... The no. idea is also, your mistakes haunt you forever. Also, that's not how life works. That's not how life works. You don't get to just kind of erase all the shit that you've done, all the stupid shit that you've said. Um, another thing it ties into is, this is presumably because employers now search, we'll search your, yeah. But I don't like that. And obviously you can't stop employers doing that. But the fact that this has become a thing now where it's like, you know, I can't have a Facebook because my fucking whatever will find it. And it's like, this is so ridiculous that you that you can't, you know. Also, there's a way to get around that. You just have it set as private and they can't see it. Something I just remembered, though, when we were talking about how you can delete your content. On Tumblr... Reblogging is obviously a massive thing. That's a part of Tumblr that everyone does. I know you have retweets and things like that, and you can share things on Facebook, but reblogging is a huge part of it. When you reblog, I just remembered this, a person's post, and they, the original person deletes their post, the reblog doesn't delete. Ah, that's interesting. So, actually... You know, and I'm pretty sure there are going to be some people who've like reblogged loads of people's posts. So they're like kind of informal archives without yeah. realizing it. So that would be a tricky one. 
Because there's loads of times where I'll see like a cool picture or a cool gif or something, and I try to go to the source. The source is gone, but it's been reblogged five hundred yeah, times so by it's various other. Yeah, and so I think that's the only one. I don't know about Facebook. I know. Twitter, when you retweet something, sometimes you'll see like a retweet, but when you go to click the tweet, it says tweet can't load because the person has deleted it. Um, and obviously there's regramming now on Instagram. That also wouldn't delete because it doesn't regram. You don't regram it from a person's Instagram like you would reblog from a person's blog. You use a third-party app. So if anyone has regrammed your images... Those will stay because right. it's a third party thing. Um, so I guess there's instances like that. It's very kind of yeah. you have to take it service by service and see their way of handling it. You've also got to understand we're in an era where everybody screenshots things. Yeah. Like a famous person can't do anything online and then delete, and then delete it, it 10 minutes later. The people seeing it instantly screenshot it because they know it might get deleted right and people on like a normal non-famous level do that too like i'm in several like facebook groups and like you know when like various dramas kind of kick off for this that or the other someone has always got the screenshots they're like yeah she's deleted her post now but i screenshotted it and i'm like that is what people do now so you know you can delete it, but someone's <laughs> always going to know. Someone's always going to know what... And if you are, like, an account where you don't have many friends or followers and maybe your page is, like, private or whatever, that's different. But if, like, you're a page who's got loads of, like, followers or whatever, someone will have screenshotted it. So, you know... It's kind of like crowdsourcing, archiving. It's very strange. I'm kind of in two minds about this and this specific initiative this specific proposal and just the idea in general in terms of on the one hand i do feel bad that there's going to be a whole generation and going forward generations and generations of kids who of course they're going to post super stuff online if you're like 13 and you suddenly get access to this unbelievably powerful and fascinating and you know it gives you such an incredible ability to connect with people all over the world. If you give a 12 or 13 year old immature, you know, they're essentially still a child, that capacity, they're going to misuse it. They're going to post stupid stuff. They're going to like kind of experiment and see how they can push the boundaries and just kind of express themselves. And so of course it's going to end up with them posting immature and later on they will look back at it as embarrassing and potentially kind of, you know, a black mark on them. So on the one hand, I have sympathy for that whole phenomenon. But on the other hand, like I said before, I think this is just trying to put a band-aid on a bullet hole because what you should really be doing is trying to teach kids digital literacy, trying to teach them don't post something now that you don't think you're going to want forever inscribed on the record, the tapestry of the internet moving on for millennia. Like, don't post things that you wouldn't say to someone in real life if you knew them face-to-face. Don't post things that your parents would look at and think were disgraceful or disgusting or, you know, Mm. whatever it is. It's much better to go to the source, which is 
kids not understanding how to use the internet responsibly, especially in terms of their actual presence on social media where it's attached to their photo and their name. And so I think that route would actually be a lot more productive and a lot less kind of just for show, a lot less kind of just it sounds good, but it ultimately doesn't tackle the problem. I agree. I always think it should be like, instead of saying what you can do to try and avoid it, it should be no, we should be teaching people not to do whatever it is that we're trying to avoid. And in this case, obviously, it's if they want to avoid kind of bad consequences or like feeling stupid or you think someone might not employ you because you did something that needs to be taught well obviously parents should be telling their kids this at as early in a as early as the age is that they get access to things i don't know what age you are at school now when you first get on a computer um but i know we i was in high school when that's probably because computers were only just <laughs> like i remember in in high school first getting on a computer and it was like this the is how you log room. on this is how you log off this is how you use paint it had five like, megabytes of how, ram yeah that's how early it was whereas i feel like now it should be a case of like learning the difference between being completely anonymous and not being anonymous learning that that people can find out where you are and what you do with just small amounts of information learning that actually if it's on the internet it's forever like your actions have consequences should be things that you're learning as a part of it at school it's not just you know all the other stuff saying something mean on social media is the same as saying it in person exactly yeah all those things should be taught and like discussed i don't think it should be this whole like don't worry we can like get rid of it we can fix it later retroactively obviously that doesn't mean i'm like against people being able to delete their stuff if people want to delete their stuff they should be allowed to delete their stuff i just i'm very anti like the government trying to enforce these rules on like the internet. private sites because there's really only so much left now where you have barely any boundaries yeah. and obviously for normal people who aren't going to use it for like horrible shit because that's obviously the mi- minority anyway that's what you want it for you want to be completely free and as soon as they start to have like a little rule here and there I worry that it's like, well, when do they stop, yeah. you know? Once they know they can enforce certain rules, it's scary because yeah. you don't know where they're going to go with it. But ultimately, it's pointless anyway because the British government can't control what American internet users yeah. see. They have a very limited jurisdiction in terms of, on the UK version of Twitter, we're going to you know, force you via yeah. these onerous fines to do x y and z but that's only for british twitter Mm. users and obviously you could even get around that by using an international vpn or proxy or whatnot and so like i said it's just so silly because it, it just sounds good in principle but ultimately it's not actually going to be like a very comprehensive very definite very concrete solution to this problem it's a very strange thing to be like this is something we're gonna do like I said, it's just them weird. trying to show their hip to, like, the problems of the digital age, quote-unquote. They're so not, though. They're no. so far behind with with the things that people can do and 
actually do do online um but we also agree that it should be a principle just in general completely unrelated to this that you should always be able to delete your previous social media posts yeah because it's your like i'm kind of trying to think of something where it's like you can't delete your stuff and i really can't there are certain sites where like forums and stuff like that where you can't delete your comment like your yeah like you get like an hour to edit it and then after that it's locked in Ah. and maybe that applies to certain social media sites that we don't know about Uh, i know on reddit you can't delete your threads but you can delete your comments right so like everyone else's comments in your thread will stay but your comments will go so you have to go through and delete all your comments separately um and it will just say deleted and like you know um so that's kind of like a semi-example of, like, only partly being able to delete certain things. I don't know when it comes to things like YouTube comments. I don't know how easy that is. Like, but, yeah, you're right. There are a couple of things like message boards. But I feel like message boards, apart from, like, Reddit, message boards aren't a huge thing anymore. Yeah. Like, before it was, like, that was how you communicated with people. That's where you went to kind of, like... Congregate and conversate. Yeah. There's only really a few of those huge ones now. Obviously, there's going to be, like, underground things that we don't know about. But for the most part, I feel like it is just social media. That's where yeah. people kind of kind That's of the new frontier. To. And you can delete your comments and your tweets and your Instagram posts. Like, but like I said, maybe there's, like, enough. we're not hip to, like, what the newest, yeah. like, hottest social media is for all the, the kids know about yeah. and no one else knows about. There's always going to be yeah, that, there's like, bound to be something out there. Twitter is for old fogies. You need yeah. to get on blank because that's what all the cool kids are using. We don't use that anymore. We use Snapchat, yeah. right? Yeah, fuck Snapchat. But at the same time, <laughs> I think not just educating the kids, but also I wish we would reach a point where in society it isn't seen as okay to be like, I found this post from when you were 14 where you were doing some edgy trolling or whatever yeah and i'm throwing it back in your face now that you're 28 like it doesn't make any sense just because it's been captured on this like web page doesn't make it any different than you wouldn't like find a story about what someone did when they were 14 that you hear from word of mouth and be like haha you did this when you were a young teenager slash child it wouldn't make any sense because the person would be like well that was like 15 years ago i'm like a completely different person now like you can't try and tack that onto my character now tack that onto my standing in the community it doesn't make any sense i am like stuck on this one because i obviously wouldn't want someone coming up to me and being like that thing you did when you were 15 means that's the type of person you are yeah and it was bad. It and forever blah, blah, blah. taints you. Yeah, obviously, I don't think that that should be right. But at the same time, I also have this thing of like, you did this really like, I, I, I don't, I don't want to give an example, but like, you did this thing when you were like sixteen, and the type of thing that it was, the type of thing that you said. Only someone really shitty would say that. And I don't believe someone who could ever think that way changes. And I do kind of have that. Um, 
and so I'm I'm kind of stuck. Obviously, I don't want, I don't think it's necessarily fair to be like, oh yeah, but he was twelve. But like, at the same time, I'm like, I think it would have to be case by case because I'm sure we've all done silly, embarrassing things. But it's low level. But then there's like it's people trivial. who have done actual shitty dirtbag yeah. human being things when they were a teenager, and it's like. You can only go to that place if you are a certain type of person. And that thing rarely ever goes away. Like You have the seeds of hate in your heart. Yeah, like and so I'm I'm a little bit Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. There's an extreme where if someone when they were fifteen or sixteen posted like the most vitriolic, hateful, dehumanizing, racist tirade on yeah. Facebook, you could it would make sense to then like five years later when they're trying to claim they're, you know, the most PC loving person in the world to bring this up as exhibit A of no, that doesn't make any sense. Mm. But that is like the extreme. That's like the fringe case. That's not to say people can't change, but like I said, I think that's what's gonna be it's case definitely by case a, an indicator to be taken seriously. Yeah. But most of the time it's just you posted something embarrassing or yeah. you posted something that was just made you look silly or like an asshole most of the time it's very kind of low level and trivial and not that big of a deal and so yeah it doesn't make any sense to 10 years later be like oh you did this stupid thing when you were 15 and now we've got it to show for ever and ever mm. i just wish we could get past that yeah i know i know what you mean because obviously like i said i definitely wouldn't want someone being like bola when you were 12 or 15 or however it was but i think that's when we go back to these things need to be taught kids need to know that it's going to be there forever and that it might affect your future employment or your future friendships because people not just even employers but people do google each other now and depending on how far back they want to go, they could go back to when that person was a teenager and they could see how shitty they were being or whatever. Um, and so I do think people need to kind of like... Take it seriously. Say, yeah, yeah, that's something. Another thing, as fun and as like free as the internet can be, it should be taken seriously in the sense that it can go... It can turn... It can go bad so quickly in so many ways whether it's like you've done something that you can't take back or giving out certain information or being too free can mean bad people can get to you and so i think it can go it you know it can go bad in all those different ways and we need to just know i mean i'm sure we've even done things where it's like shit now that's out there and i can't like you know whatever yeah. But like you said, it's sometimes about safety in terms of you'll get these teenagers who they have like 50 Instagram followers and they know almost all of them from school or from their extended circle or whatever. And so they have this kind of mistaken idea that they're essentially just posting it to them. And so mm. it's like this very friendly, yeah. receptive kind of circle that it's going to. You can't assume that the people who are going to glom onto whatever you're putting onto the internet are completely benign completely yeah. above suspicion because you could post an image which shows where you live but then you've just inadvertently given your address out to all the crazy stalkers on the internet who might 
for whatever reason become obsessed with your instagram page and want to hunt you down and confront you about whatever it is and so yeah you have to teach young people that as well because it can be dangerous if you're not to some degree careful about what you put out there it's like a decision you have to make at some point whether to be kind of like showing yourself you know and as soon as you say no I am going to post photos of myself and I am going to like talk about this or that that's you saying that you're out there and some people do stay anonymous and some people like to kind of give themselves over and so I think you have to make a decision um early on honestly and I know that'd be hard for kids like because they might not completely understand. Um, yeah, I don't know. And then there's this weird trend of, like, YouTuber vlogging, where it's like, I do a daily vlog, video yeah. vlog, and I talk about everything that happened in my day. And they have this very romanticized, very naive idea of what it is to become like a popular personality on the internet they don't realize that it entails all these inconveniences and all Mm -hmm. these obstacles and all these ways it kind of narrows the way that you can be yourself online and so they're just constantly dumping all this personal private information about themselves online because they're chasing this dream of like i want to be like my favorite youtuber who has a hundred thousand views on every video but meanwhile they're putting all this stuff online that they shouldn't be that if their parents knew they'd be like why are you telling everyone about you know where we live and who you're dating and what school you go to and blah 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 so it's it's very strange it must be very strange to be parenting a child now like yeah yeah because they all have like a smartphone and a tablet and a laptop and a presence on every social media site and as a parent you surely can't oversee every single second of your child's computer use in any form like that's just not possible yeah i think maybe i think maybe i was 13 or 14 when we got the internet at home and it first became this thing of like oh, there are these things called message boards where you can talk to people and there are chat rooms and things like that. And I don't really remember there being any kind of, like, parental controls. I mean, maybe there was and I never tried to push at it, so I didn't know. Um, I know I wasn't looking at porn at that age, so I don't know if there was anything kind of... No, there couldn't be because I know I went into chat rooms where there were adults and stuff. And surely if there were parental controls, I wouldn't have been allowed to. Maybe you evaded them. Yeah, somehow. And I also don't even really remember my mum saying anything to me. About, like, be careful. Yeah. Maybe she didn't know. But, yeah, that's what I mean. And that was going to lead me into, I think at that stage... Very little was known about, like, what people use the internet for and what was available, the if you know what I mean. predators lurking yeah. out there. It's like, it reminds me of, like, when um, this weird way of some, people, some people's idea of the internet. 
even just like 10 years ago, it would be like, yeah, but they have a website, so they must be professional. Yeah, like, that was like... Not realizing that like anyone can have like a website. Um, As if you had to qualify for it. Yeah. And so I remember like going onto those things and not having any kind of like guidance or whatever. And that was back when things were, people would just approach you and be like, ASL, like page <laughs> sex location. And they would try to like... And you had no idea who they were beyond a screen name? Yeah, I know for sure I did enter into some co- conversations where people would eventually be like, send pics or whatever. Yeah. Like, and they weren't talking about of your yeah. toys or your mum's china wear. And depending on what type of kid you are, like you either run from that or you do it like you know you're just so fascinated by this new experience yeah but that's the interesting thing right because all of these mistakes that kind of our generation let's say let's clump us all in together made were on things like chat rooms and obviously that was a very ephemeral way to communicate there's no records of a random chat room from 10 years ago yeah probably not and so you got to make all these mistakes all these fumbles to experiment with all these different things and in some cases put yourself in a compromising or embarrassing situation maybe even a dangerous situation but there's no lasting record of it which is what you'd want what we're glad of that obviously yeah but this new generation of kids is not going to have that same luxury to some extent, every single misstep, every single mistake you make online is going to be preserved forever. And a lot of kids aren't even smart enough. Well, smart is maybe not the right word, but careful enough or paranoid enough to use like a pseudonym yeah. as their username. They just use their real name. So many people, you, I remember when the internet was, you don't use your real yeah, name. Yeah, that like, was the point. I feel like as well, maybe people never even said that. It was just something you knew. I mean, I'm sure it was because they did say it, but I do feel like it was like an unwritten rule. You don't use your real name. And that's why everyone had crazy usernames. Yeah. And now it's just so common to be like, Sarah Smith, 1981 or whatever. Like, that's that person. And it was also a thing then where everyone had an avatar and it was of something, like, fantastical. From a TV or something show. something funny. Or a quote. Now it's like... A band If album. a person doesn't have a picture of themselves, is it because they're a weirdo? Like, yeah. why don't it's they It's weird want... how it's completely flipped exactly, like that. Exactly, yeah. When you see someone on Twitter and they've got, like, a weird <laughs> fake username and then it's just, like, the Twitter egg. Yeah. You're instantly like, what's Turned going off. on here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you aren't committed enough or you aren't brave enough to attach your real name to the things you're posting online, if you don't have that skin in the game, you can say anything. You can say the most disgusting thing imaginable. You could just troll people with the most nonsensical bullshit. And so you know instinctively that that person has the ability, the capacity to do all of those things. And so there's that little warning light that comes on in your brain in terms of like don't even bother engaging with this person there's no they have no incentive to actually act as a normal reasonable civil polite human being i feel like most people though will just be who they are whether their name is attached or not or their picture is attached or not you only have to look at facebook comments to know that that's true the amount of people saying horrible just unintelligent hateful shit and their face and their name is right there. 
Um, you click on their profile, it's like them with their two kids. Yeah, it's so grinning. weird. I feel like I'm an example of someone who, like... Some people can only do it when they are anonymous. And I thought I was one of those people. Like, I'm, I'm on the internet in terms of, like, I have a blog and I post really personal things. But I have a line because I actually find it hard to actually converse with people online. Um, so mine is kind of mostly an outlet where I post things I want to post it's in a creative way. way, right? Whereas, like, lots of people like to engage in debate and even arguments. They like that drama aspect. I, like used wanted to use like let's just say for example a message board right and I wanted it to be completely anonymous um so that I would feel I obviously have I don't know why I find it hard conversing with people in like deep conversation or like a debate I think it's because I'm worried someone will misconstrue what I'm saying and then they'll attack me or something I think that must be it because I don't know why else I wouldn't do it right right? and what happens is I'll post the comment and then I'll think about it and I won't stop thinking about it until someone replies and then they'll reply and then I'll think long and hard about my reply and it's just this thing that just stresses me out too much and so I wanted to join this kind of like section of a message board so I could like ask questions to get information about this one subject and I found myself, even though I'd set up like a completely separate email, so it wasn't linked to any of my other oh, emails. Man. This is some. I had a username that was tradecraft. that wasn't like any of my other usernames. I didn't have any personal pictures of myself. I didn't say anything. You didn't know it was me, right? You couldn't know it was me. And even though I had that level of anonymity, I still found it difficult to converse with people. And it was like. I have absolutely nothing stopping me now and I can walk away at any time and they don't know it's me and they can't really think anything horrible about who I actually am. And it was like, I still couldn't do it. Yeah. And it's really strange how you can have that example and then you can have fucking Jenny no name with her fucking seven kids and she's there like spouting shit. Yeah. And you could so easily find out where she is. And it's like, I don't know... That's such a difference, yeah. such a strange... You've obviously got some kind of disconnect where you can't yeah. engage with it like you do real-life, face-to-face social interactions. I think a lot of people have that. No, I, I don't think it's... But you don't... You seem to, You want to disagree with me, but you clearly don't understand what it is yourself. Yeah, maybe that's why. I don't really understand why. Because in real life, if I am kind of like... I obviously like to have conversations with people, the people that I... That obviously goes against me earlier saying I don't like talking to people. Yeah, get away from me. The people that I kind of like or the people that I can find myself comfortable with, I'm perfectly okay having, like, proper at-length conversations with. And actually, I have had at-length conversations with strangers in certain situations, and that's also been fine. I just think when you write it down and it's there that someone can kind of, like, reread it. And, and pick read it apart and, and dissect it, it. Yeah, it becomes this other thing. Right, I get that. And it's there forever. And unless you go back and edit it or go back and add another comment, you can't change what right. you've said or you can't 
help that other person understand what you're trying to say unless you go back and going back obviously makes it more of a thing i don't know i just find it really hard which is weird because i find that hard yet i can post like selfies or like pictures of your book of myself (laughs) you know what i mean and i'm completely confident in doing that but like you said that's just you pulling yourself out there you're not hoping for reciprocal connections with people where yeah they come onto your page and talk to you about it and you have this long drawn out dialogue about whatever it is it's almost like you just pasting photos into a public diary i don't you know it's yeah it's very not really a good parallel for the real physical yeah because while i'm not someone who's like yeah i'm posting this and hoping i get 100 likes I'm not that person. Obviously, I'm also not an idiot. Like, if I get likes, it make, it makes you happy when you get likes. I'm not going to lie <laughs> and, and be like... that's the definition of a smart person. No, you know what I mean? No, that's not what I was saying. Um, my point was... It does I'm affect you. I'm not putting it out there to engage with people, i.e. likes or comments. I'm putting it out there because I like... I like... It is like a diary or a journal. I like to do it. And I can put it out, then I can go away and I can never look at it again. And I'm totally fine with that. My point was just to, I was just wanted to preface it by saying, I don't do it for the likes, but obviously if I get likes, of course that's yeah. going to make you feel It has good. an effect regardless But that of how wasn't my point. My point was just, mine is purely an outlet. It's not because I want to engage. In fact, when people leave comments on my pictures, I tend to just respond in emojis because, like I said, I find it difficult to interact unless they actually ask a question i don't know what to say so usually it's just an emergency emergency an emergency what's an emergency it's a horror movie where you're being chased by emojis usually it's just an emoji and like thanks that's nice of you or whatever like whatever it is you're not trying to start a conversation yeah i think that's fine i don't think you have to use the internet exactly the same way as you like to engage with random people in real life yeah it's a different medium it's a different domain of social interaction and that's fine you can decide however makes you most comfortable however you enjoy it the most yeah i wouldn't fret too much about it it's not something you need to anguish over you know what this is taking me to though i would really hate it if i couldn't delete my stuff yeah purely because of that fact of like um worrying so much about you know engaging and then wanting to take it all back not even because you've said something bad or embarrassing i am just like that i'm very like no i realize i don't want to be in this conversation and i back away um that would suck if i couldn't then delete my comments so this was never about me saying oh you should not be able to delete stuff it should be that shouldn't be a none of it should be a rule it should just be you can or you cannot if you choose to should always be up to you because it's your content that you're putting on there. Yeah. But the problem is, of course, that people treat Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and whatever it is as if they're like this public government owned like facility or service that they have like some control over or some ownership in or some kind of stake in where they can control what it does. But ultimately, tomorrow, 
Facebook could change its terms of service yeah. and say you can't delete anything anymore. We're turning the last yeah, 10 years could. of Facebook into a permanent, completely transparent, openly accessible archive. And there's nothing you can do about I it. I could almost see them saying like everything's going to be archived on such and such and you have 60 days yeah. to decide whether <laughs> you want your should stuff. Delete everything. And so many people wouldn't. And then it would be shit. Now my stuff's archived. Yeah. Wow, yeah. I could totally see them doing some bullshit like that. But like we said, there's always going to be something else that has preserved whatever it is. And that's why the EU has this concept of the quote-unquote right to be forgotten, which is kind of different from this conservative proposal we're talking about here in the UK. This thing is you can essentially fill in this form for a specific search engine like Google or Bing or whatever it is. And you can say, I think the criteria is if the content is inappropriate, outdated, or irrelevant, which is a very nebulous way to describe Mm -hmm. something. But you essentially make your case about why you think this should be deleted. And then, generally speaking, if you've made a good case, they will delete it. Because it's based on this principle of of you have the right to be forgotten, quote unquote. You have the right to have old content about yourself erased. So it doesn't taint you forever. It's weird because I do think that. I think if you ask Google or whoever it is to delete your stuff and they know it's your stuff, they will delete it. I think that should absolutely be a thing. I just balk at this, like, no, it's a law. Yeah. They have to. And that, I feel like a lot of people aren't like that because people will just be like, but if you think that, what's wrong with it being a law? Well, because I think you should be able to do whatever you want to do. And that goes for me and the business owner. Of course. I.e. Google. If they want to say, no, actually you entered an agreement where anything you kind of put here, we get to keep for Research results we get to keep. Yeah. Like, this is probably why you should read like terms and conditions and things like that, even or at though least we a know. Condensed yeah, yeah. Of it. Um, and maybe they should start putting that in things. Anything you enter now is going to be on the internet forever. Decide whether you want to go forward yeah. or not. And if you do, it's fucking your fault. Give like, people that shock, but then afterwards yeah. they have to make the conscious choice to accept yeah. that fact I just, repercussions i just balk at it being a law i agree because there's a very significant difference between someone doing the right thing because they voluntarily independently chose to do it and there being some kind of compulsion forcing mm. them to do it if i say to you hey there's this great charity you should check out and you look at it and you give them a hundred pound that's one thing but if i hold you at gunpoint and say you have to give this charity a hundred pound <laughs> The action doesn't have the same yeah. moral or ethical value if you're forced to do it. It's like we want people to not be fucking idiots online right. because they're good people. Because they choose to be because they cho- yeah. good, Not because people. they think people might see it and then they won't get a job. Or they like, can't post the disgusting tirades yeah, and rants. exactly. If you can't get a job because of your actions, you're a fucking shit person. Like, you need to change some things. Well, you say that, but at the same time... That was an extreme. Yeah, I know. I know there are obviously going to be companies you being who, who are very like... There's she's some got, places she posted where... a photo of herself getting a tattoo, which absolutely has nothing wrong with it, but we're not going to give her the job now. 
Yeah, there are some places where they'll see pictures of you on a quote-unquote night out, getting drunk yeah. with friends, having a good time, and they will make these value judgments about you that are very prejudicial and very yeah. biased and very not representative of who you actually are as a round as a well-rounded actual person but they will just decide oh they must be this type of person yeah. blah, blah blah we don't want to employ them and so it's like who has the moral clarity who has the actual worldly wisdom to be in that hot seat that judgeship of i get to look at every applicant's social media presence and decide whether they're quote unquote a good person the right type of person for this respectable business to employ like no one should have that power because no one is wise enough to make those yeah. decisions carefully enough and infallibly enough and i think when people are kind of like let's look at their social media to see what type of person they are what you've got to understand is and i think what a lot of people forget is most people are putting forward a type of person they want you to see. So you can't tell from my... So you might think from my social media, like my Instagram, for instance, that I am always out in the city being fucking... Outgoing just and like, adventurous. Yeah, looking at pretty things deep in the city, going even to, like, smaller parts of the city and, like, finding, like, you know... Interesting nooks to Why can't photograph. I figure the words? Yeah. But no, I'm not. Like, most of these photos were taken on, like, handfuls of days. Yeah. And I just happened to like taking photos. So I have 10,000 photos, and they were probably all taken across 50 days, rather than I'm someone that goes out every single day and takes yeah. photos. That's not true. So, and it goes the same for people who, like, they might only ever post photos when they're out with their friends, but they only see their friends once a month. And so it makes them look like partiers when really they go out once a month, which is nothing. And so you have to understand that people do that on every level, whether it's like I'm so glamorous and like pretty and I'm like always buying new clothes or like to like I eat really well because I always take photos of like good food. Like People do it on every single level. And I feel like that's something something so easy to forget. And so if people are like looking through your social media because you've come for a job and this one side that you've decided to put online is like not pleasing to them, it, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it it's not a fair sense. image it's of you. It's not fair, no. But everyone does, you're right at least to some extent they kind of tweak or augment the way they present themselves yeah and that facade is important for some people because it's almost an aspirational thing of like this is the type of person yeah. i want to be i take all these gym selfies because i want to exercise yeah. more i take all these pictures of me making kale shakes because i want to eat healthier i take all these pictures of me going on walks to interesting places because i want to yeah. be a person who ventures exactly. far afield and so I, there's nothing kind of, you know, yeah. disingenuous or necessarily like I'm trying to trick the world with this carefully exactly. planned facade. It, it's a it's essentially a harmless pretense. Yeah, because, I mean, for instance, on my Instagram, it really goes from like pictures of myself to pictures of Rudy the cat to pictures of London. And I haven't lived in London for a year. Yeah. So, But you have a lot of 
leftover pictures. I have like ten thousand photos that have have to go through, and so I'm going to be doing that for years. Yeah, and I no longer live there, so that's just that's just that's the perfect life for me, living in the city, and so. That's what makes me happy. I am also a photographer who likes the creative process of like editing photos, choosing which ones I want to post, when I want to post them. That's like part of the exciting fun. to me. Like, yeah. so yeah, it's all tied into like you've always been completely truthful. I'd be posting photos of myself binge watching like shows or like. Yeah. Eating, no and one I never post wants to like see that. a random picture of you on the sofa with mm. a bowl full of. I chips. mean, people obviously do that, but like, if I was being completely honest about my life right now, that's what I'd be posting constantly because that's all I do. But there's not really a point to post yeah. those really mundane photos of everyday nonsense. <laughs> I'm kind of thinking it's going to be interesting 50 years from now because, like, say right now, if I'm like, check out this picture of my grandmother. It's going to be like this very straight-laced, very formal portrait of her that she went and sat for and, and, you know, someone took a photo of her sitting in a chair in her best clothes. So it's going to be very kind of like, quote-unquote, respectable and very kind of like, you know, on the level. But 50 years from now, it's going to be like, check out this picture of my grandmother when she was a young woman. And it's going to be like some risque, topless shot that, she posted on you know some not safe yeah. for work subreddit when she was 19 I know what you mean. it's going to be such a different world back then when you can actually see what your parents or your grandparents That's were so really funny. like when they were young people yeah you're not gonna be able to hide anything from your kids it's also funny as well because we're coming up on the generation where it's like obviously my mom has facebook now I obviously had all the internet stuff before she did. You had a head start. Because she only ever used the computer for, like, typing up things for work or whatever. And so we're coming up on that generation where the parents had social media before the kids. And and the parents are actually going to be in a proper, like, situation where they can say, look, we know everything there is to know about social media because we've had it since we were 14. Listen, son, you've got to step up your yeah. meme game on Twitter. <laughs> these are the things that you do should and shouldn't do in terms yeah. of safety, and these are the things you should look out for. And actually, if you want to think about going into being a teacher, maybe don't have this type of... Pro- you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they're, we're coming up on that They're going to be of, much more well-versed in yeah. that whole... And so hopefully, going forward... Realm. um. We won't have such a big we problem with yeah, this. Yeah, it won't be even such a problem. Also, it's just it got to be interesting as a person who, like your generation or the one after you, where it is like, well, I grew up with Snapchat. Yeah. Like, that's got to be so strange. But That's such a strange dynamic because obviously for us, we're still in that era of like, Mom just got a mobile phone, yeah. like my nan just got a mobile phone or whatever, like and she doesn't have to use a computer. <laughs> like but but everyone else's parents and grandparents are gonna know yeah. exactly how to use You're it. You're not gonna be able to hide anything from them. Yeah, because they're gonna know everything. They're gonna be fact, like, I know you went on this subreddit, so that means you were looking at this thing. And what is that thing now? I feel like we always see like I don't know why I'm thinking of that Barclay card advert where like That's they because teach- you've been brainwashed by marketing where like they teach kids basic code now 
And so, like, it's almost going to be like everyone's going to be like a low level hacker. And so they're going to be like, we know what you're doing. I hacked into your like private whatever. <laughs> I've added I some extra is... parental controls right. on that. This shit. is a movie that you're writing. Yeah. A world without privacy for it's also... kids with tablets. <laughs> it is also just all starting really early now like whereas like they have they give you a tablet at school and we're talking about like grade school or elementary yeah. school or whatever you could be like eight and have a tablet and that's just wild but it, obviously there's a dangerous possibility for relatively harmless innocuous social media contact to snowball into something serious like a few people can see that one of their classmates posted a potentially embarrassing or unflattering photo. And whereas in real life, they would just kind of snicker immaturely Mm. or make a silly comment to their friends. Now it's like 10 of your classmates comment something hurtful and insulting and ridiculing on your page. And then it becomes like this huge, like cyberbullying thing where, you know, suddenly you're like super depressed because you feel like the whole world is against you and you're being made fun of by everyone at school and so you need to teach kids about that as well because things that they do that they don't necessarily do maliciously or thinking i'm doing this to attack someone or to try and ruin their day or you know because they would do it in real life and it wouldn't have consequences when they do it online for everyone to see and especially the recipient to see it then becomes part of this larger, very oppressing, very disheartening social media reaction, which can really affect some kids badly. I feel like kids actually have it harder now in terms of, like, school never ends. Because if, like, everyone in your class is on, like, social media and you've all added each other, what do you do when you go home? You go on the internet. Like, yeah. when you're doing your homework or had, like, any kind of family time, you're on the internet. And so you school can't never ends. school out, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, obviously, for some people, it'll be like, well, yeah, I only talk to my friends. But I feel like for the most part, if you've all kind of, like, added each other and you're all, like, on Facebook or on Snapchat or whatever, it's this constant, like, I can't get away yeah. from you. And... You're that's always weird. getting like, notifications. Yeah, that's so weird. I, I never experienced anything like that because obviously when I was at school... As soon as you went home, you were disconnected from yeah, that. Yeah, I also didn't even have like, even just things like text. I got my first mobile phone when I was 14 or 15. And actually, I was, was kind of... the size of, of a house brick. <laughs> and it actually was. And actually, I at the time was actually out of school. I spent... I had a period of time where I wasn't in school. And so I didn't even experience like like rampant texting yeah. kind of like between classmates or whatever. So I don't really know what any of like that is like. Yeah, it must um, be especially weird to parent because you can't yeah. say to your kid, no, you don't get to use any social media in case it, it is a part of life leads now. to negative consequences. Like when people say, oh, they've had too much screen time. Like, and then, like I was saying earlier, like they're giving kids at like eight years old tablets. It is a way of life, and it is a way of like learning. And it's almost—I feel like it's going to be easier in some ways for people to like teach that way. And so it, you're just going to get younger and younger. And that made me think. This thought made me think. At some point, there's going to be social media just for kids. 
I don't think there is one now. Is I there? think you're probably mistaken. It's such a simple idea that you I think can't there is believe. One, but we don't know about it because we're adults. Yeah, or got, we're out. That's of touch. what I was talking about earlier. Yeah, did but you I forget? Think it's going to be. I'm talking about kids like not teenagers. I'm talking about like preteens, like. Tweens. So you're talking about like a really kind like, of toned down, very like everything is censored and like yeah, you know, like eight to like. 12 year olds you can't swear on it you can't post like certain images it's purely gonna be like if kids need to get together to like talk about homework or this is their way they've got to have because they have access to the internet this is like parents way of like being able to monitor it because if you give your kid a twitter you ain't monitoring shit like (laughs) That's not They could private, have five really. different like, Twitter accounts exactly. under different names. So I feel like there's bound to be some kind of like I have to imagine that someone has invented this only. and is cashing in big time. Because yeah. I know obviously you can lie on things like Twitter and Facebook and say that you're older than you are. But you're not supposed to have those if you're like yeah. under whatever it is, 14 or whatever. I don't know what the age is. Um, but because things are getting younger and younger, it'll be like... You know, tablets at age six or whatever. That's what it is like right now. It's yeah. like if your kid is playing up and he's constantly crying, just give him your iPad and put mm. on a YouTube playlist of funny age-appropriate videos. But eventually it will be for communication even at that younger age because they will learn things earlier. And so they will get to that age naturally where it's like, now I want to talk to my friends after school. And they're obviously going to want like a safer way to do it. But that... Regardless of what the medium is, there's always going to be a transference from the social dynamics and the social hierarchies in the school to when the kids go home to their like social media interactions. The problem is, like you were saying, you can't disconnect. So all the problems, all the annoyances, all the different ways that school makes your life a living hell, as mm-hmm. we all know, are going to metastasize into the way that you talk to your schoolmates yeah. when you get home. If you're a girl and every day you go to school and the, you know, the click of like cool girls always pokes fun at you, mm-hmm. you're going to get home and they're going to be able to still do that in you know a much more subtle way on different social media stuff maybe not even mentioning you by name and so yeah it's that's because there's also the opposite side of that as well where it's like no one's added you so it's not only do you have to try and make friends at school but you have to try and make friends that you can keep outside of school because you want them to add you on social media you want them to add you into the text chain that they've got like God, God, this this is stressing me out just thinking about it, and I'm 24. Yeah, because yeah, that that's just like God. Did you hear that Reese only has five Twitter followers? Or oh God, did you hear that Danielle? You know, deleted her Instagram likes on her photo. Can you believe it? Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. That's just like a whole new aspect. Take it all away from them. They don't deserve (laughs) anything. You don't get your first like. (laughs) internet usage until you're 12 or 13 or whatever well god it's so strange to think about so yeah i think we'll probably say all we can say about that yeah list right now. that's probably true <laughs> do you want to go into the next one should we move on to topic number two topic numero dos <laughs> unos dos dos you're looking at me like i'm a foreign language dos? expert yeah it's why i 
I could be German. Can you count in French? Yes. Un, un deux, trois, quatre, cinq, six, sept, huit, neuf, dix, un... un I you forgot got, how to do the teens. You got, yeah. Um, eins, zwei, drei, vier, fünf, sechs, sieben, sieben, acht, neun, zehn. Is that's, this still French? It sounds German. kind of... Oh, yeah. It sounds like kind of German. And I don't know any of them. It's weird how sometimes you can tell what it is just by... Like, that sounded German. But what does that yeah. even mean? Yeah. Well, just like something I'm sure sounds English to people. Like... If, if they don't speak English yeah. natively. That's probably true. It's just like some languages have like a very specific... Yeah. Type like of French sound. French and Italian. And, and even like some Spanish can sound very similar. And then, like, you have, like, other languages like German and Russian that are, like... They're very distinct yeah. and singular. What are we talking about? What are we talking about? That's my question and to I'm you. I'm sorry to any French people and any German people if I For did the not words. say them right. It's been 20 years since I've spoken French or German. You're sent like a poisoned baguette. Uh, no. <laughs> They're going to try and assassinate you. Okay, so... The second article is from The Independent. Sadly, the online version of The Independent is hot garbage in your yeah. mouth. And I do not <laughs> recommend ever going on it. But this is just, alas, unfortunately, where I found it linked to. And the news story is entitled, More than half of men believe women wear makeup to trick them into thinking they're attractive. Study reveals. <laughs> And so this is reporting on a survey that YouGov did. Oh, God. Like How many people popular answered the survey? polling firm. I think it's something like 5,000. And then obviously they extrapolate. Just men? No, men and women. Oh, okay. They extrapolate that out to make like a representative yeah. sample for the whole nation. And this was in the US specifically oh, wow. in terms of the respondents. And so... The survey asked like five questions, but obviously the big one is this one. And it found that the majority of US adults, I'm reading from the actual YouGov site right now, the majority of US adults, 55%, so that's men and women, feel that women mainly wear makeup in order to trick people into thinking they're more attractive. And then when you break it down by men, it's 63% as opposed to 55%. So it's not really that big of a bump when you mm. just go to men. But obviously this article is looking for some sensationalist Also, when you said majority bullshit. and then told me it was 55%. That is oh, a majority. No, I know, but only by 5%. You were thinking it was going to be like 99%. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like 80% or something. So basically this, uh, and obviously, you know, it was only 5,000 people, so take it with a heaping yeah. larder full of salt. But... I just thought it was interesting, this, A, this idea of the ethics of wearing makeup. Like, how do you justify it as someone who wears makeup? How do you feel about it when you see someone else wearing makeup? Like, that whole thing. And then I thought it would be a good springboard to talk about, because I know you're kind of like a makeup nerd. You're big into, okay, like, yeah. reading about it and experimenting with stuff, and you find it, like, an interesting creative endeavor and you're big in like the makeup communities no, i'm not don't say not that. that you're big in them like you're you know i'm in them yeah. i was gonna say <laughs> you're not I'm like not a celebrity like a on the makeup subreddits um what do you mean the ethics of makeup what do you mean by that okay so just 
basically what this question i think it's worded in in kind of a very biased way you'd want it to be a lot more neutrally worded but what do you think about the idea of why do people wear makeup so many reasons but do you like think it's ethically justified to what do you mean by that obviously i don't know what the word ethically means but i feel like i don't know what you mean i think maybe is it ethically justified too loaded of a word yeah what do you mean by that how do you feel about the fact that some people never leave their house without their face looking like a completely different face? Okay, that's a different question. Okay, that's just what okay, I was trying to get let's at. Let's start in the beginning, all right? This is the beginning. <laughs> Cavemen scrunched, <laughs> scrunched up bugs and smeared it on their face to make... Okay, first of all, not everyone wears makeup for the same reason. Okay. Makeup, there's a large area... Of makeup wearers, you're making a cute little jazz I guess hand that gesture. wear makeup because they feel that's what society says. Women, in order to kind of look presentable, whether presentable. that's whether that's pretty or at their job or yeah. whatever, feel like they need to, and often in some cases are told they need to. Like I've been on like various makeup subreddits where people are like the um the people I'm not I'm not really into makeup but my boss said I have to wear more oh my God. because I work with people. It's like part um, of the uniform. Yeah, it's very strange. And then obviously there are jobs where they try and make you wear less makeup if you wear quote unquote too much makeup. So there are lots of reasons why people wear makeup. Um some people wear makeup because it's an art form to yeah. them, you know, experimenting with like different eyeliners and colors. That's like an art form. It's a very creative way. Also, applying makeup is very calming. And a lot right. of people say that. It's satisfying. Yeah. Um, and of course, there are obvious ones that are like, oh, I don't like you want to cover the up bags blemishes. under my eyes. I don't like blemishes. Yeah, I want that to, makes sense. I don't want to be so pale, but I am. I don't want to be so You're trying to fix cheap. a perceived yeah. imperfection. And then there are people who maybe have like scars that they want to cover yeah. or skin conditions. And then also there's obviously like, well, if I don't wear makeup, I'm not going to get a boyfriend right. or girlfriend or... They're not going to think I'm pretty or yeah. I look more awake when I have mascara on. Wow, are, like, that's a weird like, one. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't really look like I have any lips, but if I put lipstick on, my lips look bigger. Okay. Like, there are lots of reasons why people wear makeup. Um, And then, okay, maybe I should go. Okay, I have always worn makeup. However, some people have different definitions of that like for instance i had a friend um from the ages of like late teens to early 20s and she used to say to me that i didn't wear makeup because i didn't wear foundation or um blush or it wasn't like a heavy face yeah i have only ever worn eye makeup and lipstick I have tried foundation, which is the base of makeup for a lot of people. Um, I've tried to, like, when I was younger and also not that long ago. Um, Yesterday. But I have this very, like, there's a couple of reasons why I don't wear foundation. 
And I think foundation also is a is a big it's a huge, huge, huge part of a person's like putting on makeup. It is also one of the tools people might use to like cover something change up. something yeah. about themselves, whether they think it makes them look prettier, whether it changes the colour of their skin, whether it It makes uh, a big difference, yeah, yeah. basically, visually. But for me, there are a few reasons why I don't wear it. One is and I'm trying to say this is like <laughs> in the best You're really way possible. Picking but your words I carefully. Don't feel like I need to. Okay. In that there's nothing I want to change about my skin. That's a bold statement. Okay. And I'm envious. And the second reason is the few times I've applied foundation, I just felt like I immediately wanted to take it off. It felt like suffocating, like I had a dirty face or something. It was too heavy on the yeah, skin. Yeah, it's like when the weather's hot and you moisturise and it really feels horrible. You've got like a sheen. Yeah, it doesn't feel good. And so I don't, There, those are the two okay. reasons why I it's don't wear it. not comfortable. That makes sense. However, when I said there's nothing I don't want to change about my skin, that's not always been true. When I was younger, I hated the fact that I was a rosy-cheeked person because it meant... A, I was always rosy-cheeked, and B, whenever I went red from embarrassment or got red from, like, PE or something, it made my face look even redder than it was. And people made fun of me for it. And so I, for a while when I was younger, I was like, I wish there was something that would cover red because you have to use a specific type of foundation in order to cover redness. Green-based products are the only products that oh can God, cover We're really redness. getting into it here. This so, sounds very complicated. So it wasn't as simple when I was younger as, like, get some foundation and right. wear it or whatever. It was very specific. And then and then I got to a point where I didn't mind my rosy cheeks, and now I'm at a point where I like my rosy cheeks. And so I've, I've never... And I also never even used concealer, never, okay. until I bought concealer last month for the first time in my life. Um... Not even really because I needed it. Like, I just wanted it for the occasion, for, like, maybe if I had a blemish or something. Sure. Um, but, yeah, so to go back to what I was saying, so I only ever wore eye makeup and lipstick. And eye make is, makeup is probably what I started with and used mainly at first. I remember being, like, 11 um, and, like, stealing my... My my mum would be, like, forever in the 80s. She didn't wear much makeup either, and she didn't wear face makeup. She just wore eye makeup. Um, She was, like, firmly in the 80s with her blue mascara. Oh, God. So she didn't even have, like, the natural brown or, like, black mascara that most people wear. And so I would, like, sneak her mascara. Well, so at first I think I snuck it, but then obviously she knew why I took it because my eyelashes were blue. Um... (laughs) Or you just had some kind of weird exotic disease. Yeah. <laughs> and she didn't mind. She was never a mom who was like, take that off. She didn't mind. She knew I was just like experimenting. It was harmless. And I remember a few times I went to school with, and not like, I know I'm saying blue eyelashes and you're probably picturing like bright blue. Neon long, blue. But it wasn't eyelashes. that strong. It was like a dark blue. It was blue. like a tint. Yeah, so it was more of like I might close my eyes and you might be able to see it or whatever. Okay. I also probably didn't apply very much because I didn't really know yeah. how to apply it very well. And so that's kind of where I started. And then as I kind of got to like 12 and 13, that's when I started getting my own makeup. 
And again, it was just mascara, eyeliner and a bit of eyeshadow. And then maybe I'd have a couple of lipsticks. And it just kind of went like that. I didn't really get heavy into like dramatic eye looks until I was like four, 13 or 14. And I would like go all out, like bright blue and pinks and like, or even like I had a Marilyn Manson stage where I would have like oh God. the strip across the face. You had chrome teeth. Of like, no, this was, he wasn't into that Tattoos. Yet. I would have to have the strip of hair. blue or the strip of black across my eyes. Like a bandana across your eyes yeah, with makeup. Yeah, basically. Um, and lipstick. I like bright colours, like reds, pinks, whatever. The, the normal lipstick colours. No, because, like, people also wear blues, and I have blue lipstick now, and, like, lavender. You just mean it was, like, like very bright was, and loud? It was just, like, then it was just, like, I'd have, like, a red, a pink, and maybe, like, a brown, and that was it. Um, and it kind of just... And then, obviously, my looks toned down a bit when I got out of my, like, rocky stage... Um, <laughs> you're dressing up as Sylvester Stallone yeah Sloan. I've always kind of been alternative but my look's definitely toned down to like just eyeshadow or eyeliner mascara and then lipstick and I wouldn't always wear lipstick lipstick wasn't like my big thing my eye, eye makeup was my, my big thing and then it's only been the last few years where I love lipstick like I have the biggest kind of collection of like different colors like i have like i said i've got like blues lilacs lavenders like orangey colors also i'm not really a like nude a lot of people are just into like nude colors i'm not really into nude colors at all okay um and i'm also not really into like lip glosses i'm very much like if i wear makeup you know i'm wearing makeup because it's bright you're colors. making a statement yeah um and that's why i like it i most of you already know I have pink hair. I like to wear like bright colours. The reasons I wear makeup are it looks pretty and I sometimes I wear it because I want to stand out. That's it. Okay. Like do I think I look better with or without makeup? I want to try and answer this as honestly as You've possible. got your fist on your chin. You're yeah. looking into the middle distance in a very I want to answer pondering this as honestly as expression. possible. Sometimes I do wear it because I think it makes me look better. Okay. That's as honest as I can be. Like, But I think half the time or maybe 60% of the time, 65% of the time. That's a strange alteration, but okay. <laughs> Really I wear house. it just because, like, I'm in the mood. Like, I'm in the mood to go and spend. Like, I really love those days where you don't have to rush and you can just spend an hour being, like, really meticulous. Like, I'm really moisturised. I pluck my eyebrows. Not that I don't overpluck them. I just have, like, a couple. I went years, actually, talking about like that. I was in that stage of like back years ago when people used to overpluck their eyebrows, and I've got a couple of eye eyebrows. I've got a how couple many of, eyebrows have you got? I've got a couple of pictures as a teenager when my eyebrows are really thin, right? And then I got to a point where I stopped plucking them. I don't know why. I was just like I can't bother anymore, and so I didn't. And they grew kind of all the way back. And it was only last year that I started plucking them again, and I only plucked them a tiny bit. Um, yeah, so 
I love those days where you can just spend an hour getting ready really slowly and you just kind of like meticulously do like the winged eyeliner or whatever or like you get everything lots perfect of different, yeah, and, you and get, elaborate. Exactly. I really like that because like I said, it's a process. It's like doing something fun like reading a book for an hour or whatever. Painting, painting a, picture. a picture for an hour, going to take photographs, writing. It's the same in a sense because it gives you that joy if you're into makeup. And I'm into makeup. Right. I like to try and do like different things with my eye colours or I'll do a wing when I haven't done a wing in a while or I'll do like, I'll put like colours together that you wouldn't necessarily put together. Like I try to kind of like, you know, those, it's those things are for the times when I want to stand out. Because sometimes I do. Like for instance, living in London, I wanted to stand out. I don't necessarily want to stand out as much here just because people aren't as nice, I guess. Okay. It's very, it's a lot easier to get like funny looks here or people saying something horrible. And I already have pink hair. So I do have days where I'm a bit like, I don't want to stand I out too much. I want to fly under the radar. Yeah. So I might still wear like mascara and a bit of eyeshadow, but I won't wear a bright lip or. I'll wear a bright lip, but I won't wear anything on my eyes. I'm really into that, not wearing anything but, like, a really bold lip. Anyway, so let's go. Now that we know my, like, because it's so, so important. (laughs) Your makeup Um, odyssey. Yeah, so obviously there are people out there that are, like, you know, she wears too much makeup or whatever. Do you know what I hate as well? I'm kind of all over the place, but I just have lots of thoughts, and so it's harder for me to kind of get them in order. I feel like there's a section of guys who like they're like nah I'm not I'm not into that like full on makeup look I like my girl's natural and then you see that the girl that they're with and it's like you do know that she's wearing a full face she's wearing a full face there's a thing called no makeup makeup oh god and it's an actual thing that people aspire to be able to create breaking my brain and it's where you give the appearance of not wearing anything but you are actually wearing a shit ton of product. You're still wearing foundation. You're still probably wearing some kind of contour or bronzer. You might be wearing blush just a bit, but you might still be wearing it. You might be wearing a nude lipstick or a lip gloss and you're wearing, you filled in your eyebrows and you might still be wearing mascara and some cases even have false eyelashes on and it's called a no makeup makeup look. And, there's a section of people that really think that you're not wearing makeup. And so they're like, yeah, I like my girl's natural. But actually, when she takes that makeup off, she is going to look different. And I guess that's that, you know, I'm sure there are men out there that do feel kind of fooled by some girls because they only ever see that girl in a full face and then she does look different when she takes it off. I don't really know what to say to you. But then there's like, that gross, like, macho, like, hey, bro, it's like false advertising. Like, a girl sells me on this yeah. face and I get home it's a different face. And it's like, a woman is not a product that you're yeah. buying. Like, that's the ultimate objectification. Like, they're trying to trick you into buying them. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. They're a person wearing clothes and makeup and presenting yeah. themselves in a certain way. It's also you saying, I like you like this and I only like you like this. And if you try and show me anything else, then I'm going to have to renegotiate. Because, renegotiate. Because 
You know what I mean? I'm ripping up the contract that we made when we locked eyes. It's weird. It goes back to like, even not even talking about makeup. Like you meet someone in a dark nightclub and you might take them home and it's dark in your apartment. You maybe put a lamp on, you have sex, you wake up the next day and you're like, oh shit, I don't, I'm not attracted to this person. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to navigate those areas of like... It's weird as a... I mean, what are you going to say? I'm, I'm wearing a lot of makeup right now, and when I wake up tomorrow, I'm going to look different. But I think I should tell you this now, because it might be a shock. Like, no, I don't... That's odd. Like, you would never say that. So you've just got to hope that the man or the woman isn't going to be a dick about it. Like, if you look really different and it's like a strange shock i'm trying to think of like appropriate responses to that like if you need to have a response well it's weird to assume that every woman is trying to present herself in a certain way to like catch a man like a that assumes that every woman is both straight and available and looking for a male partner for whatever reason and b it assumes that like everything that a straight single woman does is to try and influence or try and attract a man like that's just so silly on the face of it Mm. but secondly it's that weird thing of like oh i couldn't tell she was wearing makeup like you said it's like you know what a human face looks like you know what bare skin looks like (laughs) this idea that oh i couldn't possibly tell she was wearing lipstick what do you think she had black lips (laughs) did you think that her eyelids were blue like it's so strange to be like oh this masterful deception that this woman has enacted it you can surely tell when someone is wearing makeup and when they're not and make whatever value judgments or decisions you want based on that yeah it's definitely also the guy's thing like it's not up to the woman or the man wearing makeup to say i'm wearing makeup and i'm not going to be wearing makeup the next time you see me so whatever it's like it's up to the man to kind of, like, deal with that in their own yeah. way. Um, also, I'm sure there are things that men do that, like, might... That women could say are misleading. Um, but I think that's what I think people need to understand. So many people, and I guess we're saying men in this case, do think that women only wear makeup in order to kind of, like, be pretty and get a boyfriend or whatever. Yeah. When that's not the case for so many people who wear makeup. Makeup can have this, like, effect. Like, if I'm having, like, a really down day and I'm just looking for anything to make me feel better, makeup is one of those things that can work. I'll go on and put some lipstick on and some mascara and I instantly kind of feel, like, more kind of, like, put together or more kind of, like... I don't know, it just gives you this feeling. I think makeup also can make you feel really powerful. And I can't really explain why. It's just this feeling that you get when you, like, maybe you have spent that, like, hour kind of, like, crafting the perfect look and then you step out of the house and you just feel so good and your head's high and, like, you just feel really confident and, like good not because it's changed your appearance or quote-unquote made you look better but because it's like anything i'm sure a man who gets like maybe if a A man yeah got like a new haircut or was gifted a really expensive like 
watch custom suit or like yeah or a new watch anything that kind of like they can add to their appearance can give you that effect and i and i and i think if men could kind of like see that i get that but at the same time i do i i will say this i'm very ambivalent about this whole subject a because i really do not understand what it's like to wear makeup as a woman Mm. and all the different motivations and reasons and whatever they're trying to achieve that go along with that i definitely get that it's a very diverse psychological continuum about why people do that and so i'm very tentative about making any pronouncements but at the same time there is something that weirds me out about the idea that someone can every single time they step foot outside the door they can wear a full heavy face of makeup which changes the way their face looks so much that they might as well be wearing a mask and they never ever ever show what their face actually looks like like if someone only ever left the house wearing a mask you would be kind of weirded out and you would wonder what was going on or what they were trying to do and to me in a way they are they can be equivalent when someone is wearing heavy enough makeup that it completely distorts the way that they actually look i don't know exactly how i feel about that but it does make me uneasy a little bit but is there a problem with that other than that it makes you uneasy there's not a problem in terms of i don't think they're doing something bad i just i guess i don't really know how to think about it like how well, I to guess make a lot of people's reactions would be, you don't have to think about it. It's not about you. Okay, that's true. I think there are people like that. You definitely do see women and men who wear so much makeup, you don't know where the lines are on their faces. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. They cover even, like, even people who just cover up, like, freckles, then they de- they make their makeup off and their faces full of freckles. They can look completely yeah. different. Um they can look like a different person. Yeah, entirely. and there are people like that. And again, they might be doing it because they don't like the way they look. They might be doing it because makeup makes them feel better, makes them feel confident, powerful, whatever reason. Um, I think it is on you, though, not the person wearing the makeup, but other other people. The viewer. Yeah, to deal with it in your own way. Like, okay. if that's if that's you kind of like maybe not being able to... What? Where like, are you going I don't with know, this? Like, Shake their hand, as, I'm address them as a person. Like, I'm trying to think of this like male mentality of like, she's deceiving me, she doesn't really look like that. I can't get with her or whatever. Like, all right, fuck off then. Like, okay. I don't, like, it's not up to the, the woman or the man who's wearing makeup to Appease convince you or anything or please you of anything. Like, you have to know if if you're you have working eyes that that person is wearing makeup it's obvious in okay. most cases and so i guess going into it if you are someone who would be bothered by the change when they take their makeup off you have to ask yourself why well yeah but f- first of all you need to say 
is this going to bother me? And if it's going to bother you, don't go through with it because that's not going to help anyone. If you're going to like see that girl, she's like dressed up and she's got loads of makeup on, go on a date with her, take her home and then just be a dick about it the next day. Why did you do that? You knew she had makeup on. So I don't get these guys, honestly. I don't get it. Yeah, it's a strange uh, mentality. Maybe I'm struggling to have, like, any kind of real... Let me just say this. When you put makeup on, you're not putting yourself in a bubble. You're putting makeup on to change the way that your face looks. Sometimes. Always. Whenever you put something on your face, it changes the way your face looks, right? By definition. Well, I know what you mean, but... I don't think I look that much different with eye makeup not, on. Forget about how much different it makes you look. It makes you look different. Okay. And you're not doing that for no reason. It didn't just fall on your face. Okay. You're doing it so your face looks different. And the only effect that your face looking different can have is on someone looking at your face. So you have to be thinking about the effect it has on a viewer. No, because... Putting makeup on yourself and making yourself look different affects how you feel inside. But then you are the viewer. Yes. Okay, but you weren't saying it as like the makeup wearer being the viewer. You were saying it as That's like... because you cut me off. Okay, sorry. How dare you? Gosh, you sound imperious on the podcast. <laughs> I don't know where I'm really going with this, but this whole idea of like, I just wear makeup for myself and like, I don't care what anyone else thinks about it. That doesn't really ring true to me because otherwise, why wouldn't you only wear makeup when you're at home? Some people do wear makeup. Some people who wear that amount of makeup, they wear that amount of makeup until they go to sleep. They wear it even when they're at home. It's not, like I said, and it might be a smaller percentage. It might just be, you know, a lot of people, they take it off as soon as they get home or they, as soon as they're alone, they don't feel any need for makeup. But like I said earlier, I can be in the house feeling shitty and I'm trying to do anything to make me feel better and one of those things is putting on makeup. Cause it just gives you this sense of like, it's you know what it's like? I'm trying to think of something that you can kind of like think of a feeling you might I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> <laughs> when you have like a bath or something and you're like, Oh, that bath made me feel I'm really well good. Known for my baths. And now I'm like so fresh and clean and I just feel really okay. good for it. It's similar to that. You've just gone and you just put makeup on and now you kind of have this like spring in your step. Like like getting a new okay. haircut. It's just like that. This makes sense to me. I'm not like I don't think that's a bad thing in any way. That's what it's like for a lot but of people. My point is I'm not even trying to make a point. I'm just trying to explore how I think about this. You are putting cosmetics onto your face because you think it makes your face look better in some way. Some people, yeah. I said earlier, I and other people, that's not the main reason we wear makeup. Okay. But most people do, surely. I don't know that it's most. I don't want to make that. You don't think it's most people wear makeup because they think it makes their face look better? That does. When you say most, though, do you mean 90%? No, you you don't understand what majority means. It means more than half. I think probably more than half the people, yes. But 
That's the most common use of makeup, I would imagine. If completely honest. Now, I, I'm really struggling. I feel like you just don't want it to be. And so you're okay, just saying may, that... Maybe that's true. You know why? Because I'm very conscious of all the people that wear it for other reasons. Okay, I'm not pretending they don't exist or trying to erase them. I'm just saying their way or ways of using makeup and the reasons why they do that are in the minority. That's all I'm trying to say. I guess if I try and look at it the way I look at my hair, my hair is pink because I don't like my brown hair. Okay. And I think I look better with pink hair. Right. So, okay, maybe a lot of people who do wear makeup are doing it as their main reason because they think it makes them look better. I could see that. So then... But I think that we can't discount the other part of the people because... Even if someone does wear it because it makes them feel better, I mean, they think it makes them look better, there might also be other reasons why they wear it. Like, they like makeup. They enjoy applying makeup. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. All those are the reasons why I said people might enjoy makeup. Whereas, like, I'm sure there are a portion of people who, like, literally only wear it because they think it makes them look better. And when they get home, they take it off because they have no other use for it. Yeah, those are the people I'm talking about. And the point that I'd go on to make is, I definitely get this whole angle of, like, the feminist perspective, where it's like, makeup is this empowering thing where a woman gets to control her image and she gets to experiment with this very unique art form on her own face. Like, I get all that. But at the same time, from the body acceptance angle perspective whatever you want to call it shouldn't you be saying to these people who never leave the house without a full face of makeup completely changing their appearance you should be encouraging them to accept and love and celebrate their face as it actually looks without any kind of alteration upon it that's a different part of the the that's a different discussion altogether though um Obviously, I want, wish I lived in a world where everybody could love themselves for how they are and who they are and how they look, but that's not true. And a big part of that is because society says we should look a certain way. So maybe if we don't have the perfect size lips, we have to overdraw our lipstick or get lip fillers or whatever. Um, or maybe if we're... There's this thing about... this is two-sided coin of like... Oh, I'm so pale, it's horrible, I need to have, like, a tan and, like, bronzer. And then there's the other side where it's, like, no, pale is best. Like, right. it's very strange. Um, so I do wish that, like, there wasn't this societal kind of, like, impact, I guess, on people. If we could somehow take that away or start again and a person's, like... I don't feel like when I started wearing makeup, it was because girls wear makeup and that's amazing. It was, I saw my mum's mascara. None of my friends wore makeup at that early age. Like, no one at my school, as far as I could tell, was wearing makeup. I was 11 and in the last year of junior school, and I'm pretty sure no one had makeup on. And I took my mum's mascara and I put it on. She only ever wore it once in a blue moon when she went out. So I don't know where I got the influence from. But I don't feel like I've ever felt pressured into like 
wearing makeup because girls have to wear makeup. Although I obviously got something from somewhere in terms of like that small part of me that's like makeup makes makes me look better. Right. But I think that just comes along with the ability to be able to change your appearance into the way you want it to. Like, of course, I don't think society says I should have pink hair to make me look better because actually pink hair is not a common, like, yeah, a common that's as, not like, what society as prescribes. being blonde or whatever. Um, however, I do think I look better with pink hair. So there's obviously something in me. Making that choice for yourself. But some people have it even like a lot more some people really do think yeah but everyone expects girls to wear makeup and so i'm going to because that's what everyone expects and if i want to be taken seriously and i want to look my best then i should wear makeup it's like the thin standard it's exactly the same and so if we could take that away and start again i'd hope that then there would only be people using makeup for all those other reasons rather than <clears throat> because they feel they have to. But why can't you try and reset things to that starting point, that ground zero now? Like, we're never going to be able to go back in time and stop people from embracing the advent of makeup and from having this building societal pressure on them to look a certain way, to make themselves look a certain way. But to me, it seems like the more feminist thing to do would be to say when you use makeup to make your face look the way that society tells you is like a pretty face is beautiful that is less empowered that is less you accepting and cherishing and celebrating your own body than being able to say I don't care what society prescribes as the quote-unquote beautiful. I know that my face, when it's completely bare and without makeup, is quote-unquote beautiful. And therefore, I don't need to improve it with these artificial alterations. I think it's all about representation and education. I think if there was representation of people who didn't wear makeup and were seen as beautiful then that's what people would start to think. I think, you know, you might have groups of people here and there that think um, that way about lots of things in terms of, like, the body positive community, whether it's makeup, whatever. But until you get it into, like, the masses, until it becomes mainstream, the representation, while might be there in a small way, it's not going to do anything. Just like how, you know... People think that wearing all that makeup and being thin and white or whatever is best because that's what we see the most. And so until we populate our media and our like movies and music with different types of people who don't wear makeup, then that's never going to change. And in terms of like trying to kind of like start it now, like you were saying, that type of thing you can learn from like your parents at a young age so if parents are like saying no you have to go and do your hair and wear your prettiest dress and maybe put on a little bit of lip gloss to like at a young age to kind of like look better and be more presentable that person's going to grow up thinking that there's a way of looking and there's a way of being whereas if the parent doesn't do that 
and they just let their child kind of be and maybe pick up makeup whenever they want or maybe not at all as well as seeing it in like media then they shouldn't feel that pressure of like having to wear all that makeup all the time but we I don't know that parents are doing that you know okay what I was going to say was I just think it would be more beneficial to instead of trying to find better like visual role models for young girls like you know we need actresses who don't wear makeup and who have realistic body types and blah 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 and and, you know present a spectrum of the way people look in terms of these celebrities these high profile figures it would make a lot more sense to try and decouple young people's sense of worth and the idea that they have and develop of what is beautiful and what is valid and what is good from that whole group of people that whole image industry altogether and just say it doesn't matter what the big film stars look like or what models look like whether they're wearing makeup or not whether they're a size zero or not it doesn't matter about any of that because that's always going to fluctuate. That's always going to change depending on the taste of a very small amount of people who control those industries and make the big decisions. So to me, it seems like it would be a lot more practical and have a much larger effect, especially a knock-on effect of saying, don't worry about what they're doing, the way they're presenting themselves. However you look, however you choose to present yourself, whatever clothes you choose to wear, whatever shape or appearance your body has whether you wear makeup or not doesn't matter you are beautiful no matter what that's why i said i said the mainstream thing but i said it alongside it starting at home i think you have there's going to be you're going to come at it either from one of those ways it's either going to start from when you're young and at home And you have all these good influences around you who tell you as you're learning to grow that you can look any way you want and be beautiful, right? But I think that for some people only goes so far because they can believe what their family and friends are saying. But if when they go out into the outside world, they're constantly told that they're ugly or that they're not best because they don't look anything like what people are seeing in the mainstream then for those people it's it's going to stop there and they're going to start to conform more to what they see in like the media or whatever whereas for some people it hearing that stuff at home and seeing that without throughout their family and friends that's going to be enough and then for other people, they're just going to be a comp- complete, like, individual spirit anyway and kind of just, like, love themselves no matter what. Um, but I do think for a large part of society, that's why society is the way it is because people see what is out there and then they kind of, like, run at it. And until we can change that, we, there, aren't, there aren't any guarantees. Yeah. That's probably true. I'm just not sure how you'd make those very seismic, grave, psychological upheavals happen. Yeah. That's why I said it has to be like representation. We we haven't unnecessarily take away all those other standards. We just add new ones. So there's, we actually do see 
every different kind of person instead of three different kinds of person, people. I just <laughs> feel like it's more serious than that in terms of when someone wears a full face of makeup, like really heavy makeup all over their face, they are trying to make their face look better, more beautiful, yes. But their face now actually doesn't look like a human face anymore because there's no human face that looks like that. It's kind of like the Baudrillard theory of the simulacra, where the thing being represented, the thing being copied, no longer has any resemblance to the actual thing itself. It's become a new thing. And so, whereas generally I think the idea is I'm trying to make my face look like a more perfect, a more beautiful version of my face, of what a face can look like. We've now come to this weird place where the kind of glorified version of of what a pretty girl's face looks like no longer bears any real resemblance to what an actual face looks like. It's become like this almost platonic ideal of like perfect features and like these different subtle colors like emphasizing different things and lines being drawn with whatever it is. It's become something other than a natural human face. It's kind of like how when women have breast implants, they're trying to have more perfect breasts, but their breasts no longer look like breasts because they become spherical and they look like inflated. The skin is taut like a balloon skin. And so the thing that they're trying to capture becomes lost in the translation process. They end up seeking this new ideal of perfect that no longer is like the end of the spectrum of what the natural version of the thing itself looks like. It's a new thing entirely. And that's what kind of disturbs me a little bit about makeup. And like I said, I'm specifically talking about when it's like the person is wearing a mask. Like that's how dramatically it changes the way their face looks. Because instead of just trying to mildly accentuate the way their features actually look, preserving the way that their face appears and just trying to improve it in these small subtle ways all over they're making their face look like something else that's weird enough to begin with but obviously like you said it's fine it's not a big deal but then on top of that to be trying to make it look like something other than a natural human face as like the ideal of human beauty that to me is just for whatever reason kind of surreal and unnerving I know what you mean, because you know what it makes me think of? It makes me think of this whole, like, you've got to have, like, big, full lips. So people will either get lip fillers or they'll overdraw their lips. and Or get a bicycle pump, stick it in there. (laughs) The, like, mainstream kind of, like, what's in now is, like, that, wearing, like, nude lip. They call it the Kylie Jenner look. Right. And it's, like nude color lipstick with like big overdrawn or like filled lips loads of foundation loads of bronzer loads of contour a blush and highlighter Can you imagine that's all just on the cheeks right um ridiculous like huge fucking false eyelashes so much eye makeup that like you can barely see the eyes anymore and i also don't prefer that look either because a it does what you're saying it does where it takes away 
a person's real features. But with trends, now everyone just looks the same. Right. And that's what I really don't like, is everyone looking the same. Um, Because then there's no identity. You're all just kind of like conforming to what, this one this, idea yeah. of what is beautiful. And it's also not real because you're changing everything about yourself. However, I can't be too mad about it because if that's what a person wants to do, that's what a person wants to do. Sure. Obviously, what upsets me is that they really want to do it because society says that's what's in right now. And the thing is, it's not even the majority of society. It really is just like this weird kind of like obsession with the kardashians slash jenners and also it's like (laughs) unlike some subreddit stuff they're called like instagram baddies or something like that there's like an instagram look and that's what they call it and like everyone looks like that and they've got like these really like thick filled in eyebrows and like crazy false eyelashes and like huge lips and it's like okay okay I see that that's what society is telling you should should look like. I'm sad that you feel like you have to look like that because I wish you could just look like yourself, honestly. But not everyone thinks like that. There's a large portion of people that are like, no, that now you look fucking perfect and like all the guys are going to want you. But then it's like, well, actually, are now the majority of guys just going to be annoyed because they don't know what you really look like? I don't understand. And because I'm not really in that world, I can't fully relate to what it feels like to want to put... Maybe kind of on a minor level in terms of, like, of course I want to look pretty. I don't ever want to look not pretty. That would be silly. So, I mean, obviously I can relate on some level. It's weird. Yeah. It's hard to make your mind up about this. Yeah. When it comes down to it, I think... For me, it's as simple as I would never begrudge someone for trying to make themselves feel better about their appearance. That is a very difficult thing to deal with when you don't feel good about the way that you look. Yeah. Like, you know, that's that can be such a huge part of your life that can affect you in such a drastic, dire way that for anyone to do that, you know, that that's com- obviously completely fine. And you know obviously it's their choice to do that it's their body they get to choose how they present themselves they get to choose what clothes they wear what makeup they wear whatever you want to do that's your individual liberty but at the same time i just worry about the psychological effect it's having on a the people who do choose to wear like super heavy full faces of makeup and then b just everyone else around them who's starting to kind of readjust their sense of what a a you know a beautiful human face looks like with this on the basis of this very strange distorted like caricature of it maybe it seems more severe in some ways purely because it's like when you say oh the world is like worse than it ever was but that's really just because we see more of the world than we've ever seen because we have access to it via, like, the internet and social media. Um, Or maybe it's the same case for this. Maybe it seems like everyone is conforming to this, like, societal ideal. 
But actually, it is actually just this small but seemingly large group of people on social media doing it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I I guess, but every, you know, most women do wear makeup. So there's only a certain degree to which the effect it's having can be kind of. But I think there's definitely a difference between like saying most people wear makeup because it makes them feel better to like that other section of people who are following all the trends. Because obviously there are people who wear like makeup to make them feel better, but they're just wearing what makeup they want. And then there's like the people who are following every single trend and make slowly turning themselves into like looking exactly like the person next door. Yeah. So yeah, we took a brief intermission to do some things. Get some snacks. And now we're back. Bigger than ever. I was going to break into song then, but... You've got so many songs in your your repertoire. I decided against it. <laughs> you open up sheet music, put it on a stand, <laughs> pull out an oboe. No. Very unconventional What's of you, the oboe. It's kind of like a really long flute, I think. Or like a clarinet type thing. No. Maybe I'm just completely wrong and it's like a huge an bass. Oboe. Yeah, I don't know. Bass what? Like, you know, like the big... Um, oh, like the cello yeah. looking things. I like those. But I think that's Double what bass? it is. I feel like they're called. Nicki Minaj's super bass? You know the rap, don't you? What do you mean the rap? Like the rap parts. I didn't even know there was rap parts. Isn't... I think I've heard like the chorus in passing. And that's swear it. you know the verses. You're lying. How do you know? What do you I mean I swear like you, you know the verses? Time. Like you're looking into my head. Yeah, yeah. I can see the knowledge that you have. I can, I know things. There's a little folder in the filing cabinets of my brain that says Nicki Minaj's super bass yeah. verse lyrics. And you opened it and you said, aha, <laughs> I finally caught him out in a lie. I like the video to that. I think that's the one where she's pouring milkshake on herself, right? Like pink. I don't know. She's in the pool and it's like pink. I must have missed this yeah, I don't know. historic music ass. video. Okay, so the next topic. You say something about her ass. Yeah, I think you see her like just lots of. Gosh, you know, imagine that you see Nicki Minaj's butt dancing in her music video. I'll call the AP ass dancing. No, oh. we already have a shorthand for that. It's called twerking. God, you're so not down with the. No, kids. I really just meant like you weren't focusing on the ass. I didn't actually mean twerking. Anyway, okay, so the next topic is. An article on the HuffPost.com. Oh, gosh. Um, you shit your mouth. Never a sign it's of quality. It's actually HuffPost women. Oh, if you man. want to get crazy. We're getting into some real peer-reviewed journal-esque quality here. And it's titled, What 13 Reasons Why Gets Wrong... Let's start again. This is if we're recording. Okay, it's called, What 13 Reasons Why Gets Right and Wrong About Rape. And I basically wanted to use this article to talk about, A, the rape scenes and rape on screen in general, and also the suicide scene. Because basically people are kind of saying similar things about that, that they are about the rape scene. Is this spoilers? I mean... You know she's dead from the very first minute of the show, so... But what if it turned out to be a murder? You think it's a suicide the whole season and then it's like... No. 
It okay, was a really well staged okay, murder. Okay, spoiler alert! If you haven't seen it, we're gonna fucking spoil the show the about shit. suicide. Features a suicide. Yeah, you also haven't watched this. I've actually watched yeah, this. I'm um, in the dark. I I enjoyed it. Uh, there were times when I was like, "Oh my god!" But I did enjoy it overall. So basically, the article talks about how it basically talks about. Um, is it ever necessary to show rape? Is it just gratuitous talking about it from from the viewpoint of, like, the male gaze? Why do men always have this argument of the scene being necessary? And I wanted to hit on that before we actually get into discussion and basically squash that argument completely. Like a little argument bug underfoot. You know why it's usually men talking about needing the rape scene? Because it's usually men making the fucking shows. We've already established that there's not that many women making shows and movies. So I don't think at this point that really should be a valid kind of argument. Um, However, we can still talk about why that's the, a problem the, in itself. The way, yeah, no, and also the way some male directors handle it, handle it, and right. film it and stuff. So yeah, so that's basically what the article is and what I want to talk about. That's interesting. So I want to talk about it in general, but if we do kind of start off from talking about it, actually in Thirteen Reasons Why Netflix so, phenomenon. Yeah, in terms of the rape scenes, you see a rape scene in episode 9 and episode 12. Two two different rapes, two different types of rape, I guess you could say. Um, One specifically is where she doesn't say no, and they did that on purpose so that it would be a more kind of like... Realistic. Blurred, grey area type of rape for some people. Although obviously that's not me saying that. It was rape. It was also intended for the viewer to think it was rape. It wasn't actually, you know. And they did have very heavy, like, cards up before the episode where it was like... Trigger warnings. Yeah, it actually said sexual assault is about going to happen. Like, it wasn't vague or anything. And then in the 13th episode, you do see her kill herself which is what the show whole show is about. So it's not a shock. Right. Or it shouldn't be a shock that you're going to see a suicide scene at some point. Now, we've seen rape a lot in TV and film. You don't often or hardly ever get a trigger warning of any kind. Right. Um... And I guess the question is, why do we need to keep seeing it if we know it happens? But I would start off by saying, well, why do we need to see violence when we know it happens? Why do we need to see people shooting each other when we know it happens? Why do we need to see war movies when we know it happens? Because it happens and people want to make shows and movies about it. And so they're going to show the scene. Like, just with anything, if there was this huge build-up to something or this huge story surrounding something, and then you didn't show it, I, as a viewer, would be like, why didn't you show it? And then there's the argument of like, well, the writer and the creators of the show are very much like, well, we wanted to make people uncomfortable because you should be uncomfortable. You'd hope so if you're viewing a rape scene. So, yeah. Yeah, that whole perspective of like, it's already been done so much already, 
And so just because previous generations of filmmakers or whatever showrunners have made these creative decisions, then you come along and it's your turn to show your creative vision in, in the things that you're making. And because there's this precedent, because people before you have done it, you can't do it. Like yeah. we've already got enough rape scenes. We've already got enough war movies. That to me is just like so silly and nonsensical. Yeah. I don't even understand that. And it completely discounts the fact that each successive generation will have a different take on yeah. the specific thing. Just because there was a war movie or, you know, a rape scene in the 90s or a bunch of them, whatever you want to say, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't have people putting their own spin on it again in like the 2000s mm. because then they have a different perspective on it it's a different cultural moment there's a different societal cadence to the way they're going to talk about it and so it's just so silly to say we've got a certain quota like a undefined unspecified quota and once we reach that then it suddenly becomes gratuitous to feature mm. this yet again that to me is just such a strange concept so i find it almost difficult to have conversations with people who have that stance of like no it's unnecessary it's just gratuitous because you could just say what we've just said to them and blow that shit straight out of the water <laughs> also Different people are seeing it at different times, different generations of people, different ages of people. You're showing it in a different way because there are lots of different ways you can show it and there are different avenues you can show it in. For instance, I'm sure at one time or another, the only types of rape that you saw in movies was stranger rape. Right. You know? Whereas, like, now, often, you'll see... um rape within a marriage or a couple or date rape um, date rape rape at like a college campus like and yeah. there was a time when you probably didn't see that right it was mostly just like stranger rape whereas like people most commonly rapes are not stranger rapes and so there are lots of different ways to show it um also something like 13 reasons why is going to have a younger audience and not every fucking 13 year old is watching game of thrones where like the rape on that show is very different type of rape than you'd see on 13 reasons why and so i do think it's important that like all of these things are shown in all the different ways they can be shown because rape does happen yeah. in all different kinds of ways. It can be a relative. It can be a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a husband. It could be a stranger. You need to... Some people genuinely don't know the full extent of, like, consent. And maybe by watching an episode or something and seeing people's reactions, they're like, oh, shit, actually... Just because she didn't say anything doesn't mean she gave consent. Right. Some people genuinely don't know. So you're kind of opening their mind up to yeah. different possibilities. It's very strange also to be like, for example, this show, 13 Reasons Why. I haven't seen it, but I know the hype and mm. the controversy surrounding it. I know that it's kind of aimed in to some extent towards a younger viewing mm. audience, or at least it is able to encapsulate that because of the setting and, and the type of show it is. And that whole argument of like, you shouldn't have something as serious and harrowing as, as rape scenes in this show because 15 year old girls are going to watch it. It's like, are we supposed to pretend to them that rape doesn't exist? Yeah. Are we supposed to try and pull the curtain down and say, we're not going to show you this and la 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 la, the world is perfect yeah. and this doesn't exist. They are in a situation where, 
if they then think it's this weird taboo topic that's never to be spoken about, never to be acknowledged, then something, you know, that will completely jolt that wordlessness, that sense of kind of intentional reticence about the subject will come along like there'll be a rape scandal at their high school and they'll have no idea how to handle it because a none of the people around them are talking about it because they think they're not mature enough yet to handle it to handle the difficult emotional reactions you're going to have and what a horrible event it is and then the things they're watching the media they're consuming the stories that they're engaging with aren't tackling it either for the same reasons they you know they feel like they have to shield this young audience and so they've got no basis from which to try and form some kind of idea Mm. of how to react and that's just going to make it even more difficult for them it's going to make it even more traumatic even if it's just a vicarious thing where they're they know someone who was raped or they went to school where someone was raped or whatever it is so from my perspective they get to work through as young people trying to figure out what life is about, what society is like, how they should think about things, by watching things like this that really are difficult viewing, that really challenge them emotionally, they get to work through it preemptively in a sense. They get to kind of wrestle with it in their mind and they're exposed to it before they have to deal with it to some extent for real. I dislike the way people often think things can't, teach you things unless it's like a book or something like you can learn a lot from tv and i'm not talking about you see it and so you learn how to do that like you can learn (laughs) bob ross's painting trees (laughs) and you do it at home happy little clouds you can there's no mistakes just happy little accidents (laughs) oh bob ross you were taken from us too soon Uh uh-huh let's have a moment for bob ross a moment of silence okay so You can see things and you can be like, okay, that's how not to do it. So you can learn in all different ways from things. And so I like how something can maybe open your eyes to something, but also maybe teach you a way of not doing something. And that's kind of how I see 13 Reasons Why. There are lots of things happening that you can learn from. And then there are lots of things going on where it's like, I know I would do that differently because I don't like the outcome of this. And one of those things is, and I will link it to how the world has reacted to the show. Um, I can't remember where it was. I want to say somewhere like Australia. Um, have like banned the show and been like, said something about how they don't agree with how, um, basically no one gives anyone any help. Okay. The teachers are useless. There's even a scene. Hannah goes, Hannah's the main star who kills herself. She saw her friend, the first rape that you see in episode nine, she watches as her friend is being raped by her other friend. <laughs> oh, God, this is insanely heavy. Um, She also sees that friend's boyfriend basically let the friend do it. So oh, it's a very traumatic. Many for different layers involved. of disturbingness. Then. In episode 12, she herself gets raped by the same person. Then, an episode later, she kills herself. But in the last episode, before you see her kill herself... I wasn't laughing at that, I'm just saying. I'm just laughing at the fact that you started off by saying this isn't spoilers and you've just <laughs> explained everything that happens in the show. Yeah, pretty much. Then, in the 13th episode, before she kills herself, she basically says, I'm giving myself one last day to turn things around. 
and she goes to the counsellor, the school counsellor, and she tries to sort of talk about it. And he asks her, did you say no? She didn't say no. But it was clear that it was rape. Okay. It was horrific. And I'm not, like, easily shocked or anything, and it was horrific. And so one of those things that the world has kind of reacted to it, one of those ways, sorry, in way the world has reacted to it, is some people are like, they don't support people watching the show because of the way parents you know no one ever goes to parents for help no one ever goes to teachers the teachers never help and they don't agree that that's like real life or whatever it's not an after-school special showing you what to do and i would say two things about this one it's no one's responsibility to teach a person like art is not there and that's what shows are they're a form of art filmmaking and storytelling that's a form of art they're not there to be that kind of like responsible thing upon a pedestal that tells you what's right and wrong. Only showing the world as this perfect idealized yeah. version. I do think it's realistic in the sense that there are situations where people don't have anyone to go to and they don't get any help. That's totally realistic. And obviously what some people in the world want to see is well, ideally, she would have someone to go to. And okay, ideally, that's true. But in her case, in this story, she didn't. And I think when I was talking about learning from something and taking away something from it is that's what you can take away. Right. Because throughout the story, I wanted her to just talk to her parents and she didn't. And so that's what I would, as a young person, I would be like, if I ever felt like that, I know now I would want to go to my mom and I would want to talk to her. Or I would want to go to a different teacher because that one didn't help me. Or I would want to go to the police or whatever. So there are things that you can learn and take away, even if they're the opposite of what you're being shown. And so I don't think the answer is ever, let's not show it because it's not ideally what we want to happen. Yeah. What kind of lobotomized mouth breathing cretins do they think represent the viewing public where they see a show where someone does the wrong thing or the wrong thing happens and they interact with it on such a simplistic surface level way that they're like there's no other way that this could have gone down like this is how this has to happen like i don't even know how to tackle that like it does it's just it's beyond nonsensical and Mm. ridiculous and and that's where the suicide comes into play because i am a depressive person i am depressed i have thought about suicide in the past so you could say i am one of those fragile mental mentally ill people mental (laughs) fragile mental people (laughs) i meant you could say I just totally gave an example of how I'm unstable. You could say that I am. (laughs) I've got the tranquilizer dart gun. I'm like, no, she's off her meds again. (laughs) You could say that I am one of those vulnerable, kind of like mentally ill, unstable people that shouldn't be watching this because it's just going to make you want to go and kill yourself like Hannah did. No. 
If anything, it makes me not want to kill myself because it makes you think about the impact you have on other people. It makes you think if really, do you want to die? Like it makes you think of loads of different things. Okay? It's thought provoking. and that's I know useful. for a fact in my case, I didn't want to commit suicide afterwards. I wanted to go and fucking hug someone and like eat a chocolate bar or whatever. I wanted to do things that made me feel good. Right. That's not saying that there's going to be not going to be people out there that it might make want to kill themselves, but it's definitely not a thing that you know for a fact is going to make everyone want to commit suicide because that's ridiculous. Right. And obviously that's a lot of people's fear is that they romanticized suicide into this like thing. And I'm like, no, they didn't. No, they absolutely did not. It was fucking traumatizing. And obviously one of the things is that they show you, they really show you. So, and I'm going to describe it. So, trigger warning. Bit late at this point, well, but yeah, better no. late than never, just I guess. Just double say it, just in case. Um, so, basically, you see, it's very silent. It's very, like, how you might expect. There's no, like, music. It's very, like, they try to make it as real as possible. She runs the bath. She sits in the ba- I think she's fully clothed as well. She gets in the bath with her clothes on. She gets a razor blade. You see her actually slitting her wrist. And I don't mean like, you know, like when people might stab themselves or cut themselves on TV and film and you see it basically run along the edge of the skin and the the blood kind of drips, but nothing opens up. Do you get what I mean? No. Like, you'll see like, I don't know, on some kind of show where they're like, I'm thinking of charm for some reason when they like need the blood and they get the knife and they cut the hand and they drip the blood oh, yeah. and you just see like that a drip of blood trope. and you don't see anything. It's not like that. It's the fucking opposite of that. She gets the blade and her skin rips apart like and blood kind of gushes out. It, I don't know if that's how it really looks when someone does it, but it was very kind of like shocking And then you see her do it to the other one. So you see it all. And then she lies back. And even her breathing is very well acted. Like, everything about it was like, she's fucking dying right now. Right, it's convincing. And then the next scene is the mom comes in and finds her. And it's really horrible. This is affecting you, I can tell. It's really getting to me. It's really horrible. It's a, you know... A serious, well-done yeah. scene. And I feel like, actually, when I think about it, I haven't seen that many suicides in films or TV. I have seen, that kind of realistic angle. Yeah, I've seen lots of, like, you see the person take the pills and then afterwards they're in the Fades hospital. Fades to black. Yeah, or they might be on the floor. I may have even seen a couple of, like, convuls- convulsion, convulsion? Convulsion? <laughs> How are you doing? I'm Jonathan Convulsion. People convulsing from taking the medicine. I own my own law firm. And like even horrible, like really graphic things like people hanging themselves. You always kind of see it afterwards or you'll see the feet shaking. I feel like it's rare. Obviously, I know it's being depicted, but it's rare you see something from start to finish without any kind of like fancy artsy cuts and fades and stuff and so it was shocking and it was kind of rare and that's the fucking point like they're trying to get across how horrifying it is not just for the person doing it but for the impact that it has and I don't think 
that's any different from seeing someone's head being stomped in in like a violent movie or someone being stabbed to death right or someone having their head cut off or something you see all these things very blatantly and graphically in lots and lots and lots of movies and tv shows and no one's saying why so violent well you know what i mean some people are soccer moms are marching for that exact issue generally it's like oh it's violent like no one's asking should a woman be filming this? Why is a man filming this? Like, right. no one's asking stupid That's questions. That's just become normalised. Yeah. Whereas this is still kind of the scarcely explored frontier. Mm. And yeah, again, like you were saying, if they had kind of copped out, if you want to call it that, and in this show they'd made the, the quote-unquote suicide scene, this very, like, sanitised, very artsy aspect of what's going on where you just see her slowly walk into her bedroom clutching the razor blade and there's like a little pool of blood like if they kind of shied away from it as most things do because it's such a heavy thing it's such an affecting scene to view then like we said earlier especially as a younger person watching these type of things, you're never exposed to the reality of this. The fact that someone could accuse a show that really has this traumatic, harrowing scene of someone slitting their wrist as, quote-unquote, romanticising suicide is ridiculous. If anything, the opposite would be romanticising suicide if you didn't show it in the full graphic detail. Yeah. If you showed it as, like, this easy, painless, Like, if it was quick mysterious. Thing. Yeah. I, and honestly, I think either way is fine. Like you said, I don't think as artists, as storytellers, that you have a responsibility to make this perfect, idealized version of what, quote-unquote, should happen. You're not the parental figure to all of the audience. Mm. You don't have that obligation. There's no duty on you to only show the way things should happen, the way people should react, blah, blah, blah. You're trying to tell the story that you're trying to tell, and that's completely fine. That's your prerogative. And you have to trust, or you should trust, that the people viewing it are mature enough to realize that, A, this is a work of fiction. It's not a prescriptive list of instructions. It's not a tutorial about how to live your life. And B, it's going to show things in a way that is very specifically from the creative perspective of the person or the people who created it. So it's very narrowly focused. It's very limited in that sense. And like I said before, if you don't give people the benefit of the doubt that they have that minimum of intelligence to realize that, then you are insulting them in a humongous degree. I mean, I'm pretty sure the summary of the show is a girl kills herself and then sends tapes to her friends. Like, that's in the summary before you even watch it. And then very early on in the first episode, like, they say it. You know she's killed herself. You know she sent all these tapes. You know there's going to be, you know, quote-unquote, reasons why she killed herself. And then for me personally... I bet there's 13 of them, if I had to guess. (laughs) And then for me personally... That meant I was going to see a suicide scene. And then going through the episodes, I even thought at some point there's going to be a sexual assault. The way everything was going, I just knew it. And then, like I said earlier, they did actually put cards, like title cards, cards, at the beginning of the episodes where you saw anything, that it was going to be very graphic scenes of a sexual assault. And they've even said since that they're going to, quote-unquote, tighten those up 
to be even more kind of like thorough, I guess, so that everyone really, you can't somehow misinterpret what you're going to see. So, okay, you know what the show's about. You choose to watch it anyway. You watch the first episode, you know even more what the show's about. You continue on, and by episode nine, shit, there's going to be sexual assault. If you don't stop watching now... It's on you, baby, because you know what's going to fucking happen. <laughs> yeah. And if you think that you can't handle something, because I'm sorry, like, rape that you don't really get to see because they've done it in, like, an artsy way and, like, it's not quote-unquote gratuitous or whatever you want to call it, is still horrible. Right. Rape that you see from start to finish that's really fucking violent and graphic, still horrible. It's all so horrible. So if you can can't handle it don't watch it right that's my fucking advice and then if you watch it and you're like i wish i didn't watch it okay let's talk about it let's have a safe space to talk about it where we're going to listen to you and talk about how you feel and go forward with this plan of like maybe this art is not for me right and this world is fucked up because shit like that really does happen You know, like you said, this is just one person's perspective of how a world might be. And actually, from my experience, the world is and can be like that. People do get raped at school. People do kill themselves that young. That's the reality. And we have plenty of shows and movies that are like heartfelt and like feel good everything show you good happens to everyone so it's like why shouldn't we have the other side right. of that for everyone even younger people who are going to seek out things like that yeah exactly because they're wrestling with all of these thoughts themselves they're thinking about what if this happens or like i heard about this it's a rumor blah 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 oh. and so yeah you need those fictionalized spins on these different topics so people can watch them and kind of have that safe ability to respond to it emotionally and psychologically without it actually being the real thing happening before them. Yeah, yeah it's just so strange, this whole, like, don't show rape because you're perpetuating, mm. quote-unquote, rape culture. That's such a strange... Like, like I said earlier, this idea that we have to just, pre- I guess, pretend it doesn't exist, yeah. never show in art, never talk about it in conversation... And then what if there's a rape victim, a survivor of rape, who wants to make a show that tackles either their rape or rape in general in like a very realistic, very graphic, very disturbing way because that's them trying to process it. That's them trying to express themselves. They have to take a vow of silence Mm. because it makes other people uncomfortable. Don't watch it then. That's what I think we forget. Like... I know you could say, well, like, they made this because they wanted people to watch it and it's a business, but actually, at the very root of it, it's an artist who wrote a story. Yeah. And a lot of the times, people write stories as an outlet. Whether they're telling the story that that actually happened to them or whether this creative process helps them get through something else, at the end of the day, it's 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 art, it's an outlet, it's a creative way to help people get through things. And... I don't, un- I will never, ever understand this, this sense of, like, let's hide it away. Yeah. And then another thing that the article mentions, which I wanted to met- say, talk about, was... <laughs> you got there in the end. <laughs> Third time's the charm. She talks about... I don't know who's a woman. I'm assuming it is. She talks about how... 
Well, it was on HuffPost Women. It's such a shit article. I read it in like 40 seconds. It's so short. It's very much like there's rape and, well, we need to ask whether they did it right or wrong. And can we really say they ever did it right because a male person directed it? That's really all they fucking say. And it's just atrocious, to be honest. I don't know how this person has a job. But like... (laughs) To pull it gently. But so they touch basically upon the fact that like... There was a male director and a male writer and we should be asking the questions of like, why is it always a male doing this? And why are we always seeing rapes through the male gaze and all this crap? The male gaze. But then she also says that that didn't happen here, even though it was a male director and and, and a male writer, it wasn't gratuitous. So I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about then, lady? you got to pick a side. Why are you bringing this bullshit in when you know you just said yourself that it wasn't gratuitous and it wasn't? And it definitely wasn't, like, something you'd see only from, like, the male perspective. Um, The first assault is a bit more kind of, like, from the male perspective, Purely because you see the whole interaction of, like, the guy wants to rape her and the best friend who's the boyfriend of the one he wants to rape is like, no, don't do it. And he's like, let me do it. I've done everything for you. And he's like, all right. What a weird argument. And then he kind of sits there and cries. And so a lot of the show is kind of about his pain that he basically let his best friend, who's taking care of him because he's got a crap family, like... And so she had an issue with that, that, like... She called him, like, a Gary Stew character. I hate that term. I don't know what that means. It's like Mary Stew, but for the... Who's Mary Stew? Mary Sue, sorry. Mary Sue for the male. You know... What's Mary Sue? Yeah, I've I'm never so really lost. understood the Mary Sue thing. I think it's just bullshit. It's basically I... when it's, like, a self-insert character. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, it's Mary Sue if it's woman, it's Gary Stew if it's... I've never tried to have a name that rhymed with Mary Sue that was male. This is very strange. Anyway, and and it's just bullshit, honestly. Like that's some armchair psychology right there. I just the director must have been (laughs) inserting himself into this character I really don't like. Yeah. It's just very stupid. Like the thing when you see like it from those different perspectives, that's because they wanted to show like the girl, the first assault, she's basically unconscious with a little bit of awareness because she's so drunk and so it's like okay well they couldn't have shown it from her perspective if she's not awake like so of course they had to show it from everyone else's perspective hannah who's hiding in the closet and the guy who doesn't want him to do it like so yeah it's like what are you watching you can't win either way if they did it in the male gaze type of way, then they're going to get criticised for that if they're a male director. And then if they really made this strenuous effort to try and do it from, like, a female perspective and, like, very receptive to, like, the female experience and the female way of looking at it, then they would get criticised as, why did you do this? Why couldn't we have got a woman director in to do this authentically? Yeah. So they're just looking for a reason to tear the person down either way and you Mm. can't win so there's no reason to try and placate those people just create the thing you want to create be true to your own creative vision and just ignore all the completely vapid criticism that you're going to get from those people who just want to virtue signal they don't actually have a real point to make they don't have a real critique to unpack It's like, I don't know what to say about this, but I'm sure there's some criticism. So let me write some vague bullshit so you can can find it for me. No, 
I'm not sure I why I should that. be outraged, but I'm outraged, so I'll find a reason for it. This is why I never usually read reviews of things and also analyses and like recaps of things because it's full of this fucking bullshit that doesn't make any sense to me usually anyway maybe it's because i can think for myself but like (laughs) hashtag humble brag i get so mad i just get so mad because someone someone who's like maybe doesn't have like this fully formed like i can think for myself i don't need to like read up on things to kind of understand things and then they don't know how they feel about the show and then they go and read it and it's like oh yeah that's that and then forever everything they see that has like rape or something dramatic happen they can't ever see it through their own eyes they can only see it through this like tinted fucking remember that analysis that i read one yeah time? <sighs> yeah you've got to make your mind up for yourself before you seek everyone else's perspective yeah. on it Otherwise, the only lens you're going to have to view it through is, like you said, the ones that you've absorbed along the way because you were constantly gorging yourself on all these different, you know, think pieces about the show and its implications and its societal context and blah, blah, blah. And obviously, sometimes it's useful to, like, you know, get those extra kind of, like, bits of input. But I just wish those bits of input were better. Right. There's so many, like... This is big now, so I'm going to write an article about it. But actually, I don't really know too much about it. Or I did, but I didn't really understand it. Or I did, but I didn't like it. So I'm going to pick it apart and give this fucking... I just don't... I'm not there for that, you know? The problem is that there's a large contingent of people who are never, ever going to be happy with whatever you do creatively because it's never going to be, quote-unquote, intersectional enough. There wasn't enough black people or there wasn't enough disabled people or there wasn't enough focus on the woman's perspective or there wasn't enough credence given to this rape victim story or there wasn't this or it wasn't that or why was it set in this predominantly white neighborhood or why didn't the story involve someone who's not a native english speaker like there's just an endless list of checkboxes that they want you to tick in every single way every single time you create something and if you don't then they have this convenient excuse to accuse you of doing something wrong or say you know this isn't helpful because blah 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 and to boot it was made by a, a white male and so you know that means that we that just can, makes it even worse yeah And obviously a lot of those things are valid and obviously a lot of those things mean more representation for everyone and clearly we are for that. But it's like not everyone is going to tick every single box every single time because you have to be able to create what you want to create outside of also trying to kind of not be a dick or not be hateful. And it's difficult. You know, not everyone is going to want to. And that's okay too. Yeah, to me... I think the most authentic way to create a piece of art, especially something big like a television show, is ultimately to completely disregard that surrounding context of people's expectations. If the last 99 shows about high school have done this thing and everyone is constantly complaining about, oh God, why does every show do blah, blah, blah. But you write your script, you write your story, you create your world and that whatever it is thing happens to be in it, then I think you should do it. 
because what a stupid reason it's true to you yeah exactly it's what you wanted to do it's how you saw the story because what a stupid reason it is to change something about your creative vision because so many people have done it in a row in the past Mm. or you know that the think pieces from Huffington Post are going to be critical of it like that should clearly seem to be such an insufficient impetus for you to alter your art in some way and yet people do feel that very strong pressure of i'm going to get torn to shreds on social media by these ultra ultra vocal minority who like i said earlier can never possibly be pleased because their demands are so unreasonably high for every single thing that they consume it has to be this very cookie cutter uniform expression of you know intersectionality so in my mind i think don't even try to play that game because there's no way that you can ultimately win. So just create what you want to create. Make sure that it's true to what you want to create and that's it. I agree. Beautiful and there we are. God, it's such an echo chamber in here. <laughs> Do you ever disagree on anything? Hashtag hug box. Hashtag backpacking. Hug box. Yeah. A hug box that. is like an echo chamber where you're all kind of being ultra, ultra nice to each other never critical and just kind of no one ever says anything negative it's like we all have to be complimentary to each other there's no hurt feelings in this space etc etc so overall did you enjoy the show itself i did enjoy the show i had my moments because you know hannah the main character isn't completely likable all the time and even sometimes she's a little bit of an unreliable narrator and like you know i had an issue at first with this whole what kind of dick move is it to like kill yourself and then send out tapes of like blame yeah that's horrible (laughs) each one is numbered number one tape of blame to jeff with love (laughs) there was a jeff but he died he was a good character um yeah, but I feel like I could get around that because it wasn't real. I And I was like, obviously, if this happened in real life, you'd have a different reaction because what a dick move. Like, But it was good in terms of the show, obviously, to progress, to tell the story in a different way, in this kind of non-linear, because it obviously constantly jumps back and forth between what happened and now, after she's killed herself. Right. Um, so it was a very interesting way of telling a story and that's probably why I stuck with it. And also because you do find yourself getting intrigued. Like the re- Some of the reasons are really not stupid. I would never say that because obviously people react to things in different ways. But some of the reasons definitely have you, have you questioning, like, why is this person on the tape? Right. This person shouldn't be on the tape. Like one of the reasons is, you like, the boy who's listening to the tapes for all of them. Everyone else has heard the tapes. He's taking fucking 13 episodes to listen to the tapes. That was one of people's gripes. If that was me, I would have listened to them all in one night. And I'm like, okay, but then the show would be over, wouldn't it, dickhead? <laughs> like, you got to, you know. He kind of, like, gets with Hannah, like, at one point, and he's on the tapes because he's too good for her. Like, what kind of stupid reason is that? <laughs> like, that's his reason. I'm going to traumatise you by yeah. sending you a tape from Beyond the Grave because you were too good yeah, for Yeah, and at one point in, he shouts at his friend because he's, like, getting frustrated with the tapes. He's like, I can't listen to them anymore. Like, I'm traumatised. He's like, 
did I kill Hannah Baker? And his friend is like, yeah, we all killed her. And oh, I'm God. Like, and then you hear that his tape is because Black. he's quote unquote the too credits good for roll. her. And I'm like, fuck you. Yeah. I'd be pissed at her if I was here. Pissed. But instead he's like, yeah, it was all my fault. Like, what the fuck? Yep. So there's definitely moments where you're like, what? What am I watching? But at the same time, it had a series. I binged it as well in like two days. And so it had a very like impact on me to the point where, you know, when you like watch something really good and then you go to like message boards and stuff and you, cause you want to like see people talking about yeah. it. I did that. You want to take part in the discussion. Yeah. The cultural moment. And honestly, the overall thing on some of the places I went to was that seeing the rapes and the um suicide wasn't a, like it shouldn't have been taken out like the overall consensus i got was that no you should have seen them there were only a few people that were like i couldn't watch it i skipped it or whatever so yeah and apparently there might be there's going to be season 2 which has been announced so that's not like Hannah comes back really. from the dead yeah i don't know how they're going to do it because 13 reasons dead. why colon this time it's personal yeah she's like a zombie with a shotgun <laughs> yeah so who knows season one i gave you tapes season two i give you bookshot <laughs> hey why not painful yeah that's the point and now i'm dead unless she threw the tapes at you then that would be painful too yeah painful to have to fucking you know did she actually send cassette tapes yeah she should have sent like a SoundCloud link. <laughs> well, that's what it probably would be, really. But it said she sent physical, and she had like a backup copy of the tapes, and was like, "If you don't listen to them and continue the chain of passing them on, Tony, who's got the backup tapes, will expose everyone." Damn, Tony! Yeah, you really put a monkey wrench into our plan to not listen to them and pretend she never existed. Don't wanna be a monkey. Wrench. Or if it was really realistic. For, like, modern-day teens, she would have split each tape into, like, ten Snapchats. <laughs> each part of the tape, ten. she's One got a different seconds. filter on. Yeah. She's saying this really, like, somber, accusatory rant, and she's got the dog filter on, so her little tongue and is... And it cuts off because the seconds... Her probably. virtual tongue is lolling out. That's the sound it makes. That was pretty good, that actually. That was pretty good. That was spot on. They should use my my... Dog I noise. don't think that's how that works. Babies and money. They also have a sound effect that's perfectly yeah, functional. How dare you? Shit on my fucking. Is that. You're just going to end the sentence there? <laughs> Not know. the most. There's loads of say, isn't there? Shit on my. Piss on my thing or whatever. You I... know, don't piss in my coffee cup or whatever the saying is. I mean, I definitely don't. I feel like <laughs> I don't need to tell you that. If you do it and you say to me, well, you didn't say not to, I'm not going to accept that as a valid excuse for why you did it. I mean, you know that your urination is not a beverage, so well, easy does it. This is a PG grills, podcast. It's fucking... That's in a survival context, though. He had to do that to survive. <laughs> Slash, he stayed at five-star hotels while they were himself. filming. I think it's safe to say we've fucking gone crazy. <sighs> yeah. It does seem to happen. At the three hour mark, we turn into pumpkins. I turn into a gremlin. No, what does a gremlin turn into? Or do they just. Just like a really crazy gremlin. That's me. When you get water on them. What is it? Don't wa- Don't get water on them. Don't. I can't remember. I give up. 
I give up on life. I'm going to be sending tapes to all of my friends. I had a Gremlins-inspired suicide. I have absolutely no brain power left. <laughs> yeah, that's going to happen. Yeah. We should probably wrap up Send at this cake. point. <laughs> I've fallen down a well. Send cake. <laughs> I got so the room is slowly filling with laughing gas. My face is melting. <laughs> <laughs> you looked in the Ark of the Covenant. What? Oh, God. You've got to watch Indiana Jones I at some point. I didn't hear what you said. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Something about Ark of the Covenant. So you did hear what I said. Yeah, yeah. Indy. Little, Little Indy. Snap. We've got to finish watching the young Indiana Jones yeah, Chronicles. Yeah, that was really good. We watched so much. I remember watching it. I'm like, is he ever going to not be a kid? Like, not even not a kid, but like not this age kid. Is he ever going to age at all? And then we finally got to him being like... I don't know, 18 or something. And then we stopped watching. Yeah. <laughs> Not because it was bad. We moved and then we just never picked up. And we were up. renting the DVDs like every so often. So we were getting were them we? sent to us. Oh, I forgot yeah. about that. And so it just kind of fell away. It fell to the wayside. Yeah. But yeah. We should pick that up. And we're not starting from the beginning again because it took so long to get to that part. Let's wrap this up, I think. <laughs> okay. Because you're slowly pushing a razor blade across the table to me. Yeah. You do, do it. Do it do for it. me or do, do it. it? Do it. Do you? No, I don't like this. this is what you're chan- I feel too much No, this is what you're chanting to me. Do it. Do it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so. You've got some plugs to read, have plug you? Plug me in. Yeah, so. You unscroll like an ancient parchment. It's all written in hieroglyphics. This is me unscrolling it up and then scrolling it back up. No one can hear or yeah, see this, well. I fear. So, yeah, we hope you enjoyed this episode, episode 16. Please share it with anyone else you think may like it or like us. That's very yeah insecure and self-centered. <laughs> New episodes are released about two weeks after the last episode. And you can find the podcast on iTunes and pretty much all of the podcast services. Or you can go to rtappodcast.com. That's A-R-T-A-T podcast.com, which redirects to our SoundCloud page. Or if you collect enough of Hannah's tapes, there's little <laughs> 10 second snippets of our podcast at the end of each one as an Easter egg. It's like a thing you have to collect. If you put them all together, you finally, and you snip out and thread together the little excerpts of our podcast, you finally get a full episode. That would be so cool. So yeah, you can send any feedback or comments you may have, which are very welcome, to rtappodcast at gmail.com. Um, and please rate, review and subscribe on iTunes, which really helps podcasts. And also, we're at RTAP Podcast on social media, so come follow us. Follow, follow, follow. All the way away, yo. Whatever. There was a song. You you don't get it. But. I'm staring at you blank-faced. <laughs> you didn't sing with me again. No, alas. You're on your own. I'm on my own. Yeah. You're on like a little fragile log raft, and I'm just pushing you down the river towards the waterfall. What the and you're like, won't you come and sing with me? And I've already like turned around and got in the car. This is horrible, dark and cruel. Yeah. And I feel This is sad. my creative vision and it won't be 
censored or stifled or bowdlerized. Where am I going to end up? I'm going to die. The fishes are going to eat me. You've got a parachute on. So before uh, you get to the waterfall, dive over it. What the fuck? Like in an action movie and pull your chute. It'll be like a base jump. And you're a super experienced base jumper. Yeah, sure. So this will go well. You won't splat down on the rocks. But then when I finally land, what if I land back into water? You can swim. Strapped to a fucking heavy parachute? You can, like, shrug off the straps. Yeah, I can shrug it off, get eaten by some fishies. Little piranhas that eat your little little toes. Little baby polar bear looking for some food. Sees my little foot wiggling around. Baby polar bear? I don't know. Are you doing this in the Antarctic? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah probs you know me I'm the you're an arctic explorer <laughs> that making me giggle but you love it i do i'm like a little cat and you're like tickling it's time. i'm like holding a ball of yarn above you and you're batting at it idly and that's when i grab you no and i give you, you your shots I get the needle out and I say, this is for your own good cat. (laughs) You stick a thermometer up my butt? (laughs) Sure. And this is completely unrelated to the cat thing, right? (laughs) This is just recreational (laughs) thermometering. I was such a child. I think we should probably wrap it up there. (laughs) We've left the listeners with a very poignant image. Yeah. It's burned into the retinas. Even though they're listening to this. Even, yeah. Every time they close that? their eyes, they see a thermometer and a sphincter. Okay, that's the fucking end. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. The music used during the intro and outro was kindly provided by Christopher from soundslikeanearful.com and our podcast art was created by the talented Jake Contu, whose work you can find at jakeontou.artstation.com See you next episode.